Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Miss Brittany Brombacher. We're all back together again. Hooray. Hooray. It was like I just think- last week. Feels like it was it just. It was. Yeah. Just a few days ago, we saw each other at the GameSpot base station for our live from E3 episode. We hope that you guys caught that it was such a fun time going down to los angeles and getting to see all kinds of video games so as promised we will have a deep dive into not only the 10 cool things we saw at e3 from last week because we did not give the outer world its proper due we barely they, got to uh, talk about the, it yeah they gave us the old rap sign like the wrap it up and i was like oh no i thought we had some time left and we did not. No. I mean, um, we so we'll did, get- but they kind of, they, they kept us to schedule even though we started late. True. That's true. We started a couple minutes late and then we had to end a couple minutes late because of that. So uh, don't worry. We have plenty of E3 hands-on discussions and we're going to be taking some of your questions from Dear WGG in the second and third segments of the show. Um, but before we get to that, we've got some housekeeping. A uh, big thank you to the sponsors for this week's episode, MeUndies, Quip, and Upstart. And we've got all kinds of cool announcements happening. Don't forget, it's Pride Month, and we are in full swing with our Pride merch. Of course, whatsgoodgames.com slash store is where you can find those three Pride designs, because I added a third one, mm-hmm. which is very fun. It's an all-over design called the uh, Rainbow Gamer shirt. Essentially, it's our um, trademarked controller icon, which you can see right here, but it's ah. rainbow. And it's all over a black shirt, and it's really cool. I highly that recommend sounds you cute. You that could also do cute. one where there's, you know, the one that you have with the sleeves, where it's just the controllers on the sleeves. You could do that, too, with the rainbow one. Rainbow controllers Fuck. on the sleeves. That sounds like a great idea. Do you want to make that template for me? If, I, if you show me how to... <laughs> Do it, okay. <laughs> yeah, oh yes. I well, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. I will, Adorable. Uh, I'll I need, hold you to that. <laughs> I need you to help me walk me through it. I, I will know what send I'm doing. you a video I will send you a video tutorial. Okay. Um just as a reminder, all of the profits from those Pride shirts, of course, go to GLAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. So if you guys are looking to not only support what's good, but support the amazing organizations that help amplify LGBTQ voices, please do go check out our Pride merch. And if you guys are listening to this Friday morning, I'm going to be streaming as part of the St. Jude's Guardian Con live stream marathon Friday, June 21st from 5 p.m. Pacific time to 9 p.m. Pacific or, of course, 8 p.m. to midnight Eastern Coast time. I don't even know what time that would be in the U.K. Early morning, I would think. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Still trying to decide. Eight hours, I think. Um, I I don't know. Time zones are hard, man. <laughs> but I am excited because the Monster Hunter World Iceborne beta will be live. Plus, definitely going to get into some season of opulence stuff for Destiny to maybe do some menagerie runs. So hopefully, you guys will stop on by. It's going to be great. Twitch.tv slash GuardianCon is where you can find that. Of course, we'll be hosting it at Twitch.tv slash What's Good Games, and our friends at Kind of Funny Games are also going to be hosting my playthrough at Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. So you can pop into any one of those three streams. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. That's awesome. And Speaking of streams, Brittany, Yo. you want to announce when we're doing our Patreon streams for the month of June? I would love it. I would love nothing more in this life. Actually, the only thing I would love to know more is what is causing my house to vibrate. Now, this is really random, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> but we were trying to figure out this. We're, we were having a technical snafu and there's something that's causing my entire house to vibrate. And it sounds Does like Jason feel it. I don't know. He's downstairs. I don't even know where he is right now. Yeah. But it sounds like if you have your phone on like a glass table and your phone vibrates, it's that really obnoxious like sound. It's been happening every like 20 minutes for the past hour. And I don't know. So if you're watching us at YouTube.com slash What's Good Games, I suddenly look around me like a like I'm crazed. That's why. But anyway, our happy hour Q&A live stream is Saturday, June 29th at 10 a.m. Pacific. And that'll run until 11 a.m. Pacific. And then we have our after hour stream from 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Pacific. And it's going to be great. What we're going to play yet? Not sure. We won't know until the day before. But that's part I mean, of our charm. We still have until dawn to finish. I'm just gonna say. Oh, yeah. oh. throwing it out there as an. That's as an it. No, I like that. That's a great idea. We should do that. I I want to see. I want to kill everyone again. We well, also that was, could that play, was accidental. We also could play Monster Hunter World Iceborne together. Or we could do that too. Dauntless because I don't know if Monster Hunter World works on anything I own. <laughs> Well, it's a free beta for all PlayStation 4 users, so all you have to do is download the beta. Did they give me a character? Um, I don't... Th- I think it's like a generic... Because it's a beta, right? That's yeah, I don't so it's think just like, like here's, full- a, here's a bland yeah. person go. Mm. I don't think like, the full creative character is available in the beta, but... That's fine. I wouldn't spend time anyway. Okay. I vote for Until Dawn, so that way I can just drink, and it's like I'm watching, you know, a, a cheesy horror flick from... I- 12 p.m. <laughs> Mimosas. It's great. <gasps> hey, I have that bottle of chilled wine someone gave us at it. Who was that? Uh, at Ethan? Misael. Misael. Oh. Yes. I'm currently yes. drinking the bourbon he gave me, Blinking Owl Bourbon, and it is delicious. Ooh, yes. Very nice. Oh, yes. A big thank you to everybody who came out to the What's Good Games panel at E3. We loved seeing you guys repping your shirts and coming by the meet and greet and taking photos with us. Uh, we love getting to meet you guys in person, and uh, we really thank you for all the people that drove in terrible L.A. traffic oh, uh, to come down and see us during peak rush hour. Why? <laughs> um, but yeah, E3 was fun, and we will be telling more you guys more about our next meet and greet, which will be at PAX West. But for right now, those details are still under wraps. But we know that a bunch of you have showed that you are buying tickets. We've seen you post in the Discord. We've seen you post on the Facebook page. Um, so we know that that's all happening. And um, is this where I mentioned that we took control of our Reddit, our subreddit, and now we are part of the What's Good Games subreddit? That that's yes. a thing now? Yes, this is a good place to do that. Congratulations. Yeah, it, kind of all, it kind of all happened 
like right before E3 and then my crazy emergency happened and then E3 happened and I guess completely forgot about talking about it on the show. But we've been trying to gain access to the What's Good Games subreddit so that we could start posting there and build a community there. And we had some um, trouble getting into contact with the folks that started it. But good news. We're now in control of it. We're now admins of our own subreddit. So we're hopefully going to be building that out in the weeks and months to come. Um, yes. you, if you go there, it's a little bit tumbleweedy there right now. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll get it all set up. So if you are an active Reddit user and you are interested in becoming a mod for our Reddit community, please email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com and say, hey, you said you were looking for mods. I love Reddit. Because um, I am still a pretty novice Reddit user, so still figuring out yeah, same. what to do there. Um, all right. So is there – what else? Did I forget something else? Mm. We we should mention that there's been a slight change. We haven't really confirmed anything. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. due to unforeseen circumstances, we are not going to be able to attend RTX 2019 this year. Uh, we were hoping we could make it work. But the folks at Rooster Teeth and us, we both tried really hard. It was just something totally out of all of our control. So nothing but love for our family at Rooster Teeth. But we hope we'll uh, be able to see you all next year. Just heckle the guys that kind of funny for us. Punch them around. Hit them around a bit. Smack them. Throw tomatoes at that Throw tomatoes. Filipino guy. Oh, yeah. she. Just do it. <laughs> oh, shaker. <laughs> Just kidding. I love Scorpino. He's great. Um, Scorpino. Right. Cool. Um, before we get into, um, the next se- section of the show, the news and the Patreon, um, shout outs, I just wanted to say one quick thing about everything that happened with me. I know I've gotten a ton of questions from you guys, both on social media and reaching out and thank you to everybody who sent kind messages, wishing me uh, a speedy recovery. Um, the way that everything kind of happened was so last minute, um, you know, with me having to step down from EA play. I still haven't really had time to process it all. Everyone has been asking, you know, what did you have surgery for? And I would just say to you that I'm not quite ready to discuss the details of my surgery. Maybe someday I'll be ready to tell that story about everything that happened. But for now, it's still like a little too fresh and emotional for me. So thank you, though, to everybody who sent their love. That meant a lot to me and kept me going. And I had to go to E3 because... E3 is my favorite week of the year, and I just didn't want to miss not only our obligations that we had as a company, but being at home by myself probably would have put me in a mentally worse place than a physically worse place that I was at in Los Angeles. And so I weighed the balances of, do I want to feel physically really good, but mentally really bad, or do I want to deal with some of the physical pain of moving around after this procedure, but mentally feel pretty good? And so I chose the latter. And I am happy with my decision. Well, you kicked ass. We were happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you. You would never have known. And you ladies were the absolute godsends that I needed that week, helping me cart around. Um, Steimer even at one point pushed me in a wheelchair uh, through the convention (laughs) center. (laughs) And um, they carried lots of things for me. And once again, Brittany saved my life with a meat stick. But we'll tell that story once we get to the the E3 portion of the show. For now, I want to say a huge thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Lincoln Davis, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atay, and Mohamed Mohamed. And welcome to our Patreon 
Community, Niels Seifbach, Carl Kinman, Nicholas Trow, Bert Meg, Tara Waldrup, Philip Dreyer, The Nanobiologist, Scott Bailey, Matthew Bouchard, Kevin, and Malcolm. Thank you so much to all of you folks for supporting what we do here at What's Good Games by joining patreon.com slash what's good games. If you're interested in getting, you know, a version of the show that doesn't have ads, that's a tier. Maybe you want a handwritten postcard. That's also a tier. Or maybe <laughs> or you just want to see me talk like a fucking crazy person sometimes, like once a month-ish, roughly. Yeah, we do that weekly happens. exclusive vlogs for our Patreon community. And I got to say, Samer's vlogs are great because you never know what you're going to get because she doesn't even know what she's going to say. So it's just like a surprise box of awesomeness. Also, it's blackout mode. I want to give a shout out. I think it's Carly Kinman, not Carl Kinman. Oh, Carly. Yep. I should probably turn the brightness on my computer. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just squinted. You're like, oh, yep. <laughs> yeah, because I have my laptop on, on the desk between my two monitors, and I probably should just like zoom in on the text so I can read it better. <laughs> Here uh, we know, go. Life hacks. That's better. <laughs> my bad. Please don't be mad at me. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so without further ado, let's get into some news. This week, the news is brought to you by Quip. Does your mouth need a summer makeover? Well, Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes twice a day can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mind. And now, the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. And the new Kids Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as the original version with no childish gimmicks so they can brush just like a grown-up. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the product the adults in their life use, and they're proud to use Quip. Help them develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks. Plus, they've got watermelon anti-cavity toothpaste. And watermelon in summer just go mm. hand in hand. Plus, the adult version of Quip comes with a multi-use cover that works as a stand. It mouths to mirrors and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your Quip on the go. That helps you declutter your sink and cabinet. It makes traveling with an electronic toothbrush easier. Plus, there are no wires or a clunky charger, and it runs for three months on a single charge. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. And a friendly reminder for when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective. Yuck. Don't be one of those 75%. Mm-mm. Get Quip as one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. And they're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals, professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. You guys can go to getquip.com slash what's good to get your first refill pack for free. Quip starts at just $25 and you can get your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash what's good. Getquip.com slash what's good. So our first story in a post E3 world Woo. is... Kind of a lengthy one. I'm not going to read it all. (laughs) I know. I always put the pillow over there. I got to fix that. Yeah. Um, I should like start a swear jar for a dollar every time I say I should move the pillow. Um, Xbox head explains the Sony Microsoft partnership. So this write up comes from IGN. 
And they write, we now have a better understanding of the surprising partnership between Sony and Microsoft. The upcoming collaboration between the tech giants, those announced this past May, but it wasn't a confirmation of any concrete details. Rather, it was an announcement that the two developers had signed a what's known as a memorandum of understanding, essentially a letter saying both parties are interested in working together. Quote, it's the beginning of the kind of conversation. Sony and Azure looking the future of cloud gaming, said Phil Spencer, Microsoft's head of Xbox, in a recent interview with Kotaku. He continued, we look at what you're going to need in order to be a future gaming platform. And there are only a couple of companies on the planet that really have a global cloud that can reach gamers everywhere. Today, it would be us and Amazon in terms of scale. Google's building its cloud. Um, That was the end of Phil Spencer's quote. The story continues. The memorandum covers concepts like cloud-based gaming, but also things like hardware components, image sensors, and artificial intelligence. Spencer says, I think when you're another gaming company and you're looking for who you're going to partner with, you could either go and invest tens of billions of dollars in trying to catch up, or you can figure out who your partners are. We have this thing called Microsoft Game Stack. We announced it at GDC. It's developers explaining, we have this thing called Microsoft... Wait, hold on. Wait, no, no, no. It's DirectX, it's Windows Studio, and it's Azure. Sorry, guys. I it's read okay. that line twice. Sometimes it flowed, it though. Happens. No, it flowed great. <laughs> Thanks. I Thanks highlighted so for you. You go. You start here. <laughs> we okay. Let me pick up it. <clears throat> we announced it at GDC. It's DirectX. It's Windows Studio. It's Azure. Even Google's Phil Harrison, when he was on stage announcing Stadia, was showing havoc and was showing Digital Studio. Was showing things that we build. We're going to have platform components as Microsoft as our gaming org that competitors use. We do think about the strength that we get as our platform grows and have great partnerships with gaming companies that help us grow. That platform strength is important to us. So clearly like the quote f- sounding just like a little rough because this was a audio interview. Mm. But essentially I think what he's saying here is that, yo, Microsoft is everywhere. Everyone uses our stuff. I mean, even... Apple develops software to run on Windows. So it's not like these companies don't play nice together in like the aggregate sense. But I think people immediately thought, oh, does this mean PlayStation and Xbox are chummy and buddy buddy? And it's like, no, it's much more like uh, it's it's like in the details. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I got you. Basically, too, too long didn't read Sony and Nintendo or have both swiped right. And they are interested in seeing what their first date will be. They have to figure out the details of the first date, lay out what this relationship will be, but they are both interested in working with each other. Did you mean Xbox? Because you said Nintendo. I did. I did mean Xbox. Okay. My brain is a fucking garbage pile. No, you're great. I'm just trying to follow along, baby girl. I just assume that you meant that both Sony and Nintendo have swiped right on Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, that's also true. You know what? Maybe my brain's smarter than I am. It's just going. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I like this memorandum of understanding. I think from now on, whenever I meet a new human, and I'm like, are we going to be chill with each other? Let's sign this memorandum of understanding. (laughs) What would be in your memorandum of understanding? Like, what would your qualifications be of someone needing to, like, being chill with you? Don't you be a requirements? dick. Yeah, just don't be a dick. That's and a I'm pretty good. low bar. Yeah. I mean, not really. Not in today's society. Not being a dick like, is a very hard thing. Like, don't be a dick to your face? Or don't be a dick? Just don't be a garbage human. That's all I ask. If you're not a garbage human, we can be friends. Or at least acquaintances. But we need to sign this memorandum of understanding from now on. Anyway. That's one way to do it. There you go. There you go. There you go. 
Cool. Um, this is great. I'm glad that you have a life plan going forward now with your memory. <laughs> memorandum of understanding <laughs> <laughs> it's my life plan i don't know what else i'm doing but at least i got this it's fine yeah, exactly you got the paperwork to to cover your butt all right our next story uh <laughs> try not to roll your eyes too hard everybody um ea our loot boxes are actually surprise mechanics that are quite <laughs> ethical Brittany, you want to read this one I'll try i'll try not to laugh during it it's gonna be great all right this comes from kotaku Given that 2017 Star Wars Battlefront 2 is broadly considered the tipping point in an anti-loot box conversation that has recently led to a loot box bill in the United States Senate, you might be forgiven for thinking that electronic arts games have loot boxes. Not so, says VP of Legal and Government Affairs. They merely have, and I quote, surprise mechanics, and they're, quote, quite ethical. Surprise! <laughs> EA's Carrie Hopkins, <clears throat> Hopkins made those comments as part of an oral evidence session with the UK Parliament's Digital Culture, Media and Sport Committee today via PC Games N. Scottish Nash I wanted to say Scottish in a Scottish accent, but then I realized I'd be rude and I'd butcher it, so that's what I hesitated there. Okay. That so- would stop you? I, I, I don't want to do Scottish. No, that's real bad. Okay, Scottish National Party MP Brendan O'Hara said that evidence suggests a close link between loot boxes and gambling, especially among adolescents. He then asked Hopkins, as well as a representative of Epic Games, who was also in attendance to talk about Fortnite, if they considered loot boxes to be an ethical feature. Quote, we don't call them loot boxes. Hopkins began her response, adding that EA instead refers to them as, quote, surprise mechanics. She then elaborated on what exactly that means means and why so-called surprise mechanics are just like blind-packed toys. If you go to, and I don't know what your version of Target is, a store that sells lots of toys and you do a search for surprise toys, what you'll find... They didn't even do the research to figure out what the UK equivalent of Target was? (laughs) What what you'll find is that this is something people enjoy. They enjoy surprises. And so it's something that's been part of toys for years, whether it's Kinder eggs. Kinder. Kinder eggs. Oh, Kinder. I don't, yeah, I'm so out of touch. Or Hatchimals or LOL Surprise. We do think the way that we have implemented these kinds of mechanics in FIFA, which of course is our big one, our FIFA Ultimate Team and our packs, is actually quite ethical and quite fun enjoyable to people. She also said that EA does not consider loot boxes, sorry, surprise mechanics, to be gambling, and quote, we also disagree that there's evidence that shows it leads to gambling. However, that evidence has been enough for countries like Belgium and the Netherlands, both of which have banned certain types of randomized loot boxes under their gambling laws. Hopkins said those decisions were rooted in the laws of each land, and EA doesn't agree with them either, although it has made necessary changes in those regions to comply with their laws. The rest of the session proceeded apace with government officials asking questions about how games work and trying to corral game company representatives into confessing culpability for people selling in-game items for real money via third-party sites, which is, of course, very against those companies' terms of service. Hopkins repeatedly shrugged those issues off as actions of bad guys and said those bad actors, not the way loot boxes and surrounding systems are currently designed, are the problem. Quote, the packs, the surprise, that's fun for people, she said. Quote, they like earning the packs, opening the packs, building the teams, trading the teams. In an update earlier this year, Epic removed random event, removed the random element from four purchased loot boxes in Fortnite's non-Battle Royale mode, Save the World. During today's session, a representative of the company conceded that, quote, there's more that the industry can do. EA, however, is standing firm. Quote, I don't think we can agree to say that games are addictive, said Hopkins. I would tell you that Electronic Arts is already a very responsible company. Well, um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do, I do want to point out like this was not targeted as a response to gamers. Like this was not them trying to like pull the wool over any gamers' eyes. They're definitely speaking to a government agency here and right. trying to pull the wool over their eyes. So like, don't get too mad in that respect. <laughs> they don't think you are that stupid. They're just hoping the politicians are this stupid. That's what my point is. I feel like um, pulling wool over anyone's eyes is a very painful experience and you shouldn't do that if you're trying to get over on someone. I mean, they could close their eyes and then it wouldn't scratch it. It'd be fine. Okay. Um, I think it's. I think that this to me reads like such a desperate attempt to keep FIFA the way it is because FIFA makes them disgusting amounts of money and FIFA has made disgusting amounts of money for years before loot boxes were ever a quote unquote problem. Uh, and people like nobody minded. The FIFA people did not mind. That this was how this worked. I don't know if they mind now. They might be like, you know what? This game has worked this way for a very long time. This is and all we play. It's I fine. Mean, there are certainly... I've seen lots of disgruntled and upset players that the way that the foot mechanics work, the ultimate team, stuff in FIFA. Of course, because it is RNGesus-based, right? The Pray people to who, RNGesus. The people who are blessed by RNGesus are perfectly happy to spend their money and get the things that they want. The people who are not are not, right? Yeah, but that's, that's like fair. the big problem with random loot boxes versus loot boxes that have, you know, set items in them. It's, it's tough because she's not wrong. And this has always been my argument, of course, and yet another disclaimer that I have worked for EA in the past. Um, and we as a brand have worked with I EA. I also have. Yeah. Um, I worked so, actually at the company as a full-time salaried employee. Yeah. And so like, just so that you guys are, are understanding, like I'm not giving them a pass because I've worked with them. I'm giving them a pass because first off, they're not the first company to do this, nor will they be the last. I think they're just the one getting the finger pointed at them because they're kind of they're falling on the sword for pretty much everybody else who's using random loot boxes in their games. Now, that being said, would I be happy for loot boxes to go away? Absolutely. Do I think they're going away? Heck no, they're not going away. There's way too much money in them for to be, to, to be going away. I think that we need to kind of look at maybe striking some kind of a compromise that I think is not that difficult, which would be to look at China's model and say, hey, we know that gambling's a problem. We know that there should be gambling warnings when there are random loot boxes or loot boxes or these uh, random microtransactions attached to any game. I think putting that warning on is not harmful. The part that I, of, of it that I think I wanted to stress was that I think China is doing well is putting the drop rates for the boxes on the product. So saying, hey, EA, you want to continue making... FIFA Ultimate Team packs as loot boxes or, as you dub them, surprise mechanics in your game. We'll allow it, but you are now required to put the drop rates for the Ultimate Team packs and for each player or each team or whatever is in that specific box onto the um, description. So when people go to purchase it, they know exactly what their odds are for getting the item they want out of the box. I think that is a good step in the right direction that should be very non-controversial. I think that... Every developer has those numbers because they create them and that they should be able to publicize them. And by not publicizing them, that's like the dirty, like under the table part that makes it look super shady. Right. Totally. Yeah. And 
Yeah, it's just like it's kind of a lose lose, especially when it comes to EA for when it comes to loot boxes or surprise mechanics or whatever they're going to be calling them next month. You know, I do like that they were like, it's like Kinder eggs. Like they're like, hey, or kinder eggs if you're me. Well, yeah. I mean, this whole statement just like it's confusing. And I understand the points that they're trying that she was trying to make. But at the same time, I can't help but wonder, you know, I know you're talking to like the government or the UK and you're like, oh, this is an important conversation for important people. But like, obviously, that's going to get out. If you call it surprise mechanics, it's going to it was the laughing stock of Twitter for like a couple hours straight. But that it, doesn't matter if they are able to avoid regulation in the UK, which is the only point of you know, this conversation. Yeah, 100 percent. It's just more of a front facing community reputation sort of thing that, you know, I know obviously EA is trying to get away from. But like you said, you know, if you're making a buttload or like you said, a disgusting amount of money after this then you're winning but uh if yeah you can scrooge mcduck into a pile of money i feel like you probably don't care that much if people call you stupid on the internet true well i mean sure because they have to care to some respect because look at jedi the fallen order right they're stressing as a single player no microtransaction game would that have but been the case this one's not like a negative it's this is just like uh, EA. like at this point everyone hates ea i don't think this made anyone hate ea more I think this was just like, yeah. Well, no, but, but I think the people who don't hate EA, I think they see this and they're like, really, guys? Like, come on. Like, surprise mechanics. But Are again, there people who don't hate EA at this point. I don't hate EA. I just <laughs> I think some of them hate EA either. I hate you too. Jesus, of course you. Don't. Well, no, but I mean, we, we, I know, I know. Okay, I'm removing myself as a member of the video game media and like more as a consumer. And, while I frown upon a lot of these decisions and some of the things that have made, you know, I do think that they're trying to do right. It's just when you see things like surprise mechanics that are quite ethical, of course, people are going to frame it in a way that's, oh, my God, clickbait or, you know, to get gasps and oh, my goodness, clutching the pearls and stuff. But it's just it doesn't look it's not a good look. That's all I'm saying. Clutch the pearls. I'm Clutch the pearls. I'm with you, Brittany. I think the thousands of people who showed up at EA Play over E3 weekend demonstrated that there are still lots of gamers that like EA as a company and will continue to buy the games that they publish. Um, and like, that's not what this conversation is about, right? We're not here to judge I mean, I was EA's working, but yeah, cool. no, I know, I'm but like, I'm glad this went off on a tangent. It just, it <laughs> always does do. though. Whenever they get brought up in the news, particularly about loot boxes, I f- it's just frustrating to me that they get, pigeonholed into this role of being this big bad corporation and like people have this inherent aversion to them and i don't know where or why it's so targeted towards them specifically when virtually all of the publishers are guilty and that that's just the thing that i just cannot wrap my head around is why and i've had a couple conversations with patrons about this with with people on facebook and some even some people in the discord because I know people have approached us to say, you know, we don't think that What's Good Games took a tough enough stance against loot boxes and loot box culture. And I was just like, I don't know even know what that means. What kind of stance are you looking for me to take here? Like, I'm not do sure. I, you know, it's like, do I like them? No, of course not. Do I think they're fun to open? Yeah, she's not wrong. They really are. But would I be happier if they were gone? Yeah, definitely. But I don't live in this fantasy world where I think that you know, they're just going to disappear. And quite frankly, I've said this before and I'll say it again. If keeping loot boxes means keeping the government out of regulating video games, I'll keep the loot boxes. That's my personal choice. 
the other major point is the a loot boxes. Yes, you may hate them. You may hate everything. And I agree that loot boxes are extremely problematic in certain cases. If you build them wrong, they're real bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also keep the lights on. Like the funding of those games, like the the money that is made from FIFA can help fund smaller games. Like Connie Sea of Solitude, right? Exactly. Like that money gets like put back into the company. Granted, we can talk about CEO <laughs> salaries and all that other shit some other time. But <laughs> it, basically at this at this day and age, games are so expensive. If they don't have a way to additionally monetize, companies are going to be in trouble. Like we are sort of games be, have become very bloated at this point and like even the $60 price tag can sometimes not necessarily get enough of a profit depending on the game and all of that jazz, as you both well know. Um, so sometimes loot boxes are there because the game needs them. Yes, yeah, sometimes it's free to play and it's super, super necessary because there's just no money coming in otherwise. And sometimes it's more of an additive thing where I don't mind it if it's cosmetic, um, but those that money does just go back to keep funding more stuff that you hopefully want <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah loot boxes loot boxes they are uh you know sometimes evil and sometimes fun yeah and on that note let's move on to the next story Ooh, speaking of evil you want to read this one Steimer? lord voldemort hey, <laughs> yeah. harry potter uh sure Niantic's Harry Potter Wizards Unite launches on mobile June 21st, which is today. 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 Mm. Uh, Developer Niantic, known for the incredible success of mobile title Pokemon Go, has announced that the similar-looking Harry Potter Wizards Unite will be going live on mobile devices this week on June 21st. A beta test of the new AR title was previously held in Australia and New Zealand in April of this year. Wizards Unite will put players in the role of a rookie member of the Statute of Secrecy Task Force. Oh, boy, that sounds real special. There has been an outbreak of chaotic magic in the world, and players will be charged with locating and containing these quote-unquote foundables, a roster of weird creatures, great and small, in real-world locations. Casting magic to secure foundables. They really named it that? What a weird thing. Anyways, costs an (laughs) finite amount of energy, which must be restored at the game's ends. The uh, mini-movie features a somewhat dramatized example of gameplay. Of course, there's more to Wizards Unite than the mechanics described above, but it seems clear that Niantic are taking their hugely hugely successful Pokemon Go formula and applying the similarly similarly successful Harry Potter brand. Thank you for deleting whatever that was that I didn't Yeah, it was the first person take. Anyway, it wouldn't have made sense. So I all ah. I know is on the 21st, I want to see your ass, Andrea. I want to see your ass, Timer, out there in your little wizard capes and your little pointy hats with your little wands screaming obscenities at these foundables, catching shit or whatever This is not the doing. Harry Potter game that I personally want. I will I allow care. other Harry Potter fans to enjoy if they so choose. I'm with Steimer on that note. The leaked Harry Potter RPG is the Harry Potter game I'm waiting for. That doesn't mean I'm not going to play this game, but playing it at launch seems maybe not like the best idea. Listen, I've seen shit in my day. I played Pokemon Go on day one. It molded me. It shaped me into the woman. It shaped me into the woman I am today. I would highly recommend you put yourself through this rigorous and painful process. You will come out (laughs) a better human because of it. 
I feel like I've had enough no, pain thanks. this year, so I'm gonna go ahead and pass. <laughs> um, no, I, it'll be rough. It'll things won't populate. You won't be able to do shit. But at least you can say you're there. No, okay. No, I'll do I'm it. Okay. I'll be. I'm gonna be the one who fucking gets obsessed with this game, which is the I, most ironic thing ever. But that's fine. I'll catch. Maybe I'll actually care about Wizarding World of Harry Potter then at some point. I like their butter beer. There you go. Yeah. Butterbeer and Foundables. Let's go. I'm the biggest fan you'll ever meet. Foundables makes me laugh. I don't know why. It's just a silly name. It is silly. But I feel like, you know, Harry Potter's just kind of silly. But not, it's usually not that stupid. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I was trying to think of a better word, but I'm very tired. It's Uh, totally okay. You're allowed to be tired. uh, Yeah. Don't you worry. Um, It's going to be great. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll probably have an update for you guys maybe next week. Um, I'll see if I can can try it out. Maybe I can get like um, cool Greg or someone from kind of funny to walk around with me, and we'll see how it goes. Um, okay, next up, uh, this is more of a PSA than an actual um, story because I, w- I technically already talked about this. The Monster Hunter World Iceborne beta is coming to PS4 starting this Friday. So today, June 21st marks the official start of summer, but it also offers PS4 owners something significantly cooler, writes Game Informer. Um, mm-hmm. Capcom is releasing a limited time beta for Monster Hunter World Iceborne and hunters who are able to successfully complete its three quests can unlock special item packs when the expansion is officially released. The beta is available to PlayStation Plus subscribers starting at 3 a.m. on June 21st through Monday, at 3 a.m. Pacific. Another beta is available Jesus. to all PS4 owners a week later from June 28th through July 1st. The beta includes hunts against the Great Jagras, the all-new Bunbaro, and the returning monster, Tigrex. <laughs> Who was Are you waking up at 3 a.m. to play this? At 3 a.m.? No. I'll preload it and I'll play it at a normal time like a normal person. <laughs> you don't want to since- stay up all night for your iceborne? No. No, not for the beta. Right. That's oh. true. But I thought that was interesting. If you yes, like it's good Hunter. for people to know if they liked the Monster Hunters, which lots of people did. Yes, true. Indeed. And I think that's going to wrap it up for our news segment this week. There was a couple of the smaller things that happened, but, you know, because we're in that post-E3 wake, um, it's a little bit quieter this week than traditionally. So, which is great. Exactly. That means lots of time to talk about what we played at E3. So stick with us, everybody. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing. And this week, it's all about E3 2019. But before we get to that, I have to tell you that this segment of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by Me Undies. You probably spend about 90% of your life in your underwear. So don't you think you owe it to yourself to make sure you're wearing the softest undies in towns? That's why we only wear Me Undies. Now, these undies are so soft. You're never going to want to take them off. But we highly encourage you to do so. <laughs> Because hygiene is important, ladies and gentlemen, and nobody wants a stinky butt. Me Undies uses the coveted micromodal fabric, which is a full three times softer than cotton. So not only will you feel like your loins are being hugged by joy itself, but Me Undies gives you multiple style options for both men and women. Men can now try the new boxer brief with Fly, which is huh. the same great cut as the boxer brief, but now with an added option. <laughs> I like this little this finger so that you're cute. doing, Zimer. Yes. For guys who prefer to go through the gate versus over the fence, Me Undies 
Anthony's is also the go-to for the softest loungewear on the planet. Hang out in their super comfy lounge pants and onesies. Yes, you guys, we've sell- said this before. We'll say it again. Me Undies makes onesies, and they're incredible. The three of us have all got the matching strawberry ones, and I'm absolutely loving my new unicorn print one. It might be the greatest thing ever. I was, I was laughing when we were reading the top point. It said, please take these off because hygiene is important. I think we, Jason and I were in Antigua, and I was texting with you ladies, and I'm like, I haven't taken my strawberry onesie off. And I think it was Andrew. I was like, you you need to do that. You probably smell. And I was like, yeah, probably. I've been wearing this thing for like five days straight. It's fine. They're, they're, they're amazing. I, that's why you got to get multiple prints so you yep. can rotate. Um, so, but we have a great offer for you guys. Me Undies is giving first time purchasers when you, um, oh, sorry, sorry, let me read that again. Me Undies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first time purchasers, when you get any Me Undies order, you will get 15% off and free shipping. Get 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. To get that 15% off, you're going to need to go to meundies.com slash WGG. That's meundies.com slash WGG for 15% off, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Yeah. Your butt will thank you. It will. So to begin our E3 hands-on segment, I don't even know where we should start. We've got quite a list of things. Should we start with the Outer Worlds? Yeah. The end of our sure. segment from last week. So yeah. if you guys missed last week's episode, please take a listen. It was pretty good. We mm-hmm. did 10 cool things we saw at E3 2019, but we had to kind of rapid fire them because we only had an hour. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we ran out of time when we got to the Outer Worlds from Obsidian and Private Division. So I would love to talk about that here because it's probably my game of show. See. So, um, Britt. Yo. You are a big RPG fan. I am. What did you think about the Outer Worlds? Yeah, so I was just looking at all of Obsidian's games, actually. So obviously Pillars of Eternity, Pillars of Eternity 2, Pathfinder Adventure, Skyforge, South Park, Stick of Truth, like all of these games in Fallout, obviously. So New Vegas. Yeah. um, I had always had my eye on the Outer Worlds. Obviously, being an Obsidian game is like a... Like, my little antennae are poking around, like, trying to pick up that signal, like, where are you? And I never really knew, though, what kind of game it truly was until we had this E3 presentation. And after the presentation, I think we all were like, holy shit, we are so sold. Now, Andrea, I think, did you get to see this at Judges Week? I did get to see this at Judges Week, yes. Okay, so you had seen it before, but it's time where you hadn't. No, yeah. So you were saying this had been on your radar for a while. I was the opposite, where, like, I knew it existed, but for whatever reason was like, meh, whatever. Like, when it was announced, I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know why. I still don't know why exactly that happened, but when I sat down in this demo and at the end of it, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, it looks like something <laughs> totally right up our alley. You know, I love, first of all, that they're going back to the core RPG mechanics where you get the skill points where you get to assign them into, like, your personality or what kind of attributes you want. Talking I- your way through everything, fuck yeah. Yes, like, putting up that persuasion skill is so good. And then something else that really surprised me... Um, Although I guess it shouldn't have, is the humor in this game is just freaking hilarious. Now, granted, there's a big, deep RPG there, but there's also like that lighthearted sense of humor. For example, there are these 
these animals, and I know I talk about these all the time, so the ladies are probably sick of hearing me talk about the cysty pigs. And that's S- that's C-Y-S-T-Y pigs, I think is how like they spell it. Like a cyst. Like a cyst, yeah. And they're these pigs that are raised specifically for eating the cysts because they like build, they're bacon flavored or something. They're, the cysts are like borscht. Yeah. Okay. They're, borscht. They're bioengineered to have delicious borscht tumors that fall off for harvesting. Yeah. Yes. Because, it's like, like yeah. I mean, in the future, that's what we got to do. Because I, mean, I don't know why, but it sounds disgusting. You know, it's something. If it tastes good, then like, hey. Anyway, yeah. And you have Just to don't go think to about this, it. You have to go to this guy's like factory who's raising all these cysty pigs, and you have to confront him because a character wanted you to. And then, of course, it's that fun RPG part where this dialogue opens up, and you can either confront the owner of the cysty pig farm and fulfill your request with the person who had you do it in the first place, or you can like betray the person who gave you the quest or you can try to get them both to become friends and everything works out great and i thought that was really fun but even just getting there you know you have your companions and i saw when he was opening up the menu the guy who was demoing it for us you have companion quests and that to me is like ooh, potential for you know i don't know if romance is in this game but building up your relationship and unlocking you know specific quests just because you worked hard for it i don't know everything about this i'm just so ready i think i'm gonna lose a lot of time to this game in a good way i think what they say 50 to 60 hours did I hear that from one of you? That's the number that I heard. Okay. Um, when I was talking with Greg about this, he'd said he thought he heard 20 to 30. Mm. And I said, that seems like a golden path number. And then like if you do a lot of the other side quest stuff, it, it's a little bit longer. But you know, when I first talked to the team at Obsidian about this, they had said, you know, we want to make an RPG because we love RPGs. Avi, we're Obsidian. But we didn't want to make something that was going to be you know, insurmountable for a lot of gamers. He's like, we didn't feel the need to make something that's a 200-hour open-world RPG because we wanted it to be a little bit more approachable. Yeah. Yes. It just looks so damn good. I I was so excited walking out of that. I just, I know you got to go hands-on with it too, right? I did, but I can't technically talk about my hands-on time. It was for judging purposes only. So I will leave my impressions purely to the demo that we saw. Um, So I wrote down a bunch of notes about the demo that I thought were really interesting. So, for example, the whole idea of the Outer Worlds is that you play this leadership character who is on this colony called Halcyon. And the reason you end up on the colony is because you were part of a immigration ship, like a transport ship that had all of these thousands of people in hibernation that were all being sent to the colony to settle there and become colonists at Halcyon. Um, But what happened is, is when your ship arrived, the corporate overlords of Halcyon decided that it was too expensive to bring everybody out of hibernation and bring them down to the surface. That's a lot of mouths to feed. So they decided to leave everybody in cryostasis up in orbit. So there's this whole ship of people just sleeping sleeping forever, essentially, um, outside of this colony on the edge of the galaxy. And then there's this rogue scientist, this doctor, who wakes you up. You're like the one person that gets woken up and he tries to convince you to be on his side. And so part of the larger narrative of the game is, are you going to side with this scientist who woke you up and took you out of cryosleep and figure out what his motivations are? 
Or are you going to side with the corporations and figure out why they decided to make the decision that they did? And so it's up to you as a player to kind of figure out which side you want to be on and which NPCs you want to be friends with and which ones you're going to kill. You know, because they, you know, part of the trailer that they showed at the Xbox briefing was this guy being like, oh, thank you so much for helping me. And then they say, well, you can play as a psychopath. And then they just like shoot him in the face. Well, the best part Um, was that he gave you that gun. Yep. Yeah. He's like, oh, thank you so much for saving me. Here's the gun. Here's this gun. And maybe it'll serve you better. And then like the character shoots him in the face. So, yeah, like, well, Jesus. exactly. <laughs> so I have a feeling that's going to be Steimer's playthrough. She's just going to shoot him. Whoa. Hey, I said the same thing to her during the demo. I turned to her and I said, whenever I see that, I think of you. <laughs> you know what? I have a bad reputation, but I'm not bad at heart. This is no, true. Listen, it's you very true. Heart. Um, so the demo that we saw takes place in an uh, area of the world called the Monarch Wilderness. It's like one of the large open world zones in the game. Um, they say that the world originally started as something called Terra One. It was the first planet that was terraformed when the colony was originally founded. But the terraforming didn't quite go as planned. And because of it, the animals are much larger, much more aggressive than they were supposed to be. And so the corporations were like, you know what? Maybe we just like, salt the earth and never come back to this place. <laughs> Um, because it's covered with monsters and animals and, of course, the unemployed, LOLOL. Um, and so that's where you are, trying to make your way through this this um, part of the world. So you're dealing with this thing called hibernation sickness, and that gives you the ability to slow down time and it lets you see enemy health and details about them, sometimes really irrevel- irre- irrelevant but funny details because, you know, there's oh, yeah. a lot of humor baked into this game. Exactly. Um, one of the f- points that I wrote down from the demo was this robot factory that we were infiltrating and the robots can perform what's called the pink slip protocol. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, which is essentially like they're terminating employees by force, meaning the robots are killing you. They're like, Yo, I, know, I felt so up. bad Goodbye. for them. I was like, they're just trying to make a living. They have a job. Maybe they have a family and the robots are just like, nah, fuck you. Oh, God, yeah. that was so funny. I literally but thought... also talking yeah. with the robots was amazing. When it was like, no, you're dysfunctional. And it's like, oh. And then the robot's like, oh, no, please don't report me to... No, I'm fine. Uh. And then it just like, leaves you alone. Because you, if you don't pass stealth checks, so you have yeah. to then pass charisma, basically charisma checks to get through them. Otherwise, so good. You, I think you, then you just have to fight everything, which will be hard, but probably doable. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting looking at the skill check system. Obviously, as Brittany mentioned, you're going to be putting points into whatever perks that suit your play style. But what I thought was really great is that the skill checks of your companions also figure into how these scenarios can play out. So the two companions that we saw in the demo were called Nyoka and Ellie. And so Nyoka kind of has more stealth and weapon skills and Ellie has more persuasion and medical skills. So what was great about that is that if you didn't have a particular amount of points specced, let's say, in medical skills and you were dying a lot, your NPC can come in and help you like with um, like revives and giving you health and stuff like that. And same in, in conversations, if you don't have enough points specced in like your charm abilities, it, but your NPC companion does, then they can answer in some of the conversation trees. And I thought that, that was, you know, like a really nice way to make the companion choices more meaningful. As much as I loved running around Fallout 4 with dog meat, he didn't really help me out that much. <laughs> well, he was really I cute, mean, though. he at least didn't 
talk your fucking ear off. True. That's Doggy true. Doggy was a good, quiet companion. <laughs> but yeah, I was excited uh, for a couple of things. One, like you had more than one companion running around with you, which I always like. I'm like, hey, yeah, let's get a little squad going. And especially mm-hmm. now I can like try and figure out how to min-max. And like, I want to know everything about these companions before I get into the game so I can figure out who I'm probably going to put in my party. And then I'll probably change my mind somewhere throughout the middle of the game <laughs> because I'll go on someone's quest. and I'll be like, oh, you're cool. I want to take you with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will help you build your character out. At least I think it will for me. The the two things that I was, I don't even know if I, I didn't love, but I would note, I would make note of is like one, it kind of, at least the character models, like it looks very fallout to me. Yes. Um, so like take that as you will. And then, uh, your character doesn't talk, which mm-hmm. personally I don't really mind because I think the dialogue is written so well. And I think the choices are like the humor is enough to keep me there i still don't feel like it felt bland in any way shape or form like because sometimes it can be a little weird to not have your character talk but i didn't really feel that way in this case but it's just a note if you are curious about this game your character does not talk yeah i noted that too yeah i don't really i'm i think i'm indifferent on that because it's hard when you have a deep rpg like this you really do assume the role of that character right like and if the voice acting is off or weird, it really does break down that wall. I think about the first time we saw Cyberpunk, right? Behind closed doors. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah for some something about that, we couldn't quite put our finger on it, but it just sounded off to the point where I was like, I, I might have to play as the male character, you know, because V as a female at that point, it was too, I don't know. It reminded it me just too cringe. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm OK with the silent protagonist. Yeah, definitely. And it, it definitely it gives you more or gives the developers more options to have different types of skill checks and different things like that are just text based versus having to worry about doing VO for all yeah. of that. Word. Absolutely. Um, also, I thought it was interesting that the companions that you have don't necessarily hang out with you if they don't like the choices you're making. Mm. So if you're making specific uh, narrative choices that have consequences in the world and your NPC buddies don't like the choice you make, they can just say deuces and leave your party at any time, which I thought was kind of neat. That's stressful. I like it when RPGs do that. Really? Yeah, yeah, because it's like, okay... It gives him weight, do I right? do I yeah. care about this person enough to to keep him along with me, or do I not give a fuck if they leave? Ah. Like it's one of those things where, you know, you I'd like I'd like yeah I like consequence. Like Andrea said, I like I like things to have some weight to them. Otherwise, if I can just do if I could treat you both like complete shit and you would never walk away, like <laughs> that that would be weird, right? Like no, you would yeah, you would I, both I, be like, no, fuck you. I would. You're right, but you don't do that. So so I I love you. No, because I love and care about you, so I treat you well. But But see, but see, in video games, if you say the wrong thing, you can load a save, and then you're okay. Also true. So I think you're right because as long as I can save and load whenever I want, because I know once I play the Outer Worlds, the chances of me playing it again are very slim. So I feel like if I lose a character, I'm going to lose part of the story that was written in some regard, and I'm so scared of missing out on that that I, if I piss someone off, I'll just like load up, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, I'm cur- I'm curious to see uh, all this stuff on YouTube after it yeah. is out because there was stuff like in even this is obviously a very different game made by a different company, but in Dragon Age Two, uh, some of the stuff that could happen with your companions there because they could leave your party, oh, yeah. and then come back and fight you later. Yes, and so I, I'm like, yes, I kind of am curious to see what Obsidian does with that mechanic. I'm I'm very intrigued, very excited. But yeah, 
That's uh, The Outer Worlds. Uh, they announced the release date at E3. It's coming October 25th this fall. I'm so excited. I'm excited. I'm like, oh my God, I finally have a game that I'm really looking forward to this year. Yeah, man. <laughs> me too. I'm pumped. I think it looks awesome. Um, okay. So enough about The Outer Worlds. I kind of um, want to talk about the game that you and I played that, that sparked a tweet. Ah, Oh, yes, please. I got to hear this story. I want to hear this. So Greg, uh, uh, I guess back in May, because that was when this was, tweeted Mm -hmm. about Andrea and I playing a co-op game and we're just basically screaming at each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That game we can now reveal to be Wolfenstein Youngblood. (laughs) Oh, no. So in Wolfenstein Youngblood, you play as uh, BJ Blazkowicz's two daughters, the twin daughters, uh, Soph and Jess. Is that her name? I'm making looking that up? up my notes right now. Mm, anyway, Jess or Soph, yeah. Yes. Ha ha! Thank you, memory. You have served <laughs> me well. Uh, and <laughs> uh, basically, you're running through a campaign, and you can either play alone, and then the other character will be AI, or you can play as Andrew and I did together. Um, but you know, you know, sometimes when you play together, you 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 yell at each other a little bit. Yeah, that's true. If you've ever seen any of our streams, our after-hour streams, you can attest to this. Yes. Yes. I believe I was yelling at you because I wanted you to come revive me. Because, so here is the, here is one thing. So you can, you obviously go through together. You kind of build out your characters. You can build them out differently or build them out basically the same, depending on what you both like to do. Um, because there's different specializations and different power mm-hmm. moves in the power suits. Um, and... But the checkpoints in Wolfenstein, I forgot, are real long. Like, you have to make it through a lot in order to hit a checkpoint. Mm -hmm. So we had a bit of a hiccup in the beginning, and then we got sort of, like, our groove on, and we were okay. But we were. this was sort of at the frustration point of we'd hit this fucking checkpoint wall, like, three times already. And then we were... I was down and I was like, Andrea, come get me. I'm bleeding out. And you were like, hold on, I need to kill this guy. And I was like fuck that guy come revive me i need you and you were like but i need to kill this guy and i was like oh my god we're gonna have to reset this whole goddamn checkpoint and we did (laughs) (laughs) but but we made it through the demo the people playing next to us rage quit and left that's true uh, really yeah which i thought was was interesting we made it through the boss like with no problems i think that's because we worked all the kinks out before (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's true it's true so was it a difficult game is that why they rage quit or i mean so i mean this it's wolfenstein right wolfenstein is brutally hard like even on baby ass baby mode that we were on normal i believe right I was playing uh, normal. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, both playing on normal. Oh, fuck that and shit. As co as partners, you can pick your own difficulty and um, the enemies ah. will scale um, in between them. They didn't explain like how the scaling works because quite frankly, I was like, I don't, I don't care to ask. Normally I do, but I was just like, I just want to play. Um, so just a little bit of background on Wolfenstein Youngblood, if you guys missed the details. So this is, of course, being developed by Machine Games in partnership with Arcane Leon. Um, it's set in 1980. 19 years have passed since the events of New Colossus. Um, it's a, their do-or-die mission to find their missing father. 
in 1980s Paris. So the girls grew up outside Mesquite, Texas in a liberated America, which of course is at the end of the new Colossus. Um, as Steimer said, you can play solo or with a companion AI. Um, it's the most open-ended Wolfenstein experience they've ever created. Um, it lets you explore the alt history of the Nazi-occupied 1980s Paris. Um, you get to, of course, wield advanced tech weaponry and armor to stomp out the Nazis. And the demo that we played takes place on a Nazi Zeppelin where we were sent to kill a Nazi general. Um, and so it was really interesting because each sister has signature abilities. Uh, one is more focused on stealth and has like a cloaking ability. And one is more focused on assault. But essentially... As you go through, when I was speaking to the team from Machine, they were saying that by the time you get to to the end, both sisters are built pretty similarly, that it's just the beginning um, skill unlock that makes them feel different, but that you can pretty much spec them the same if you want to by the using the upgrade system. So they have these things called silver coins that you can pick up around the world that unlock different cosmetics and also allow you to upgrade your weapons. So the different skill trees are mind, muscle, and power. And, of course, they have a variety of different perks within them. And then, of course, the hurt state, which is the revive, uh, is a retro element that they will be bu- that they brought back and that your lives are shared between you and your co-op partner. So if one person's dying more than the other, they're going to suck your lives away. So something And to you be- will hate that person, and so don't <laughs> play with them. <laughs> or just maybe play with them and work out your differences by killing Nazis. There you go. Take out your frustration. That's healthy. That's a healthy solution. Yeah. The thing that I really walked away from this demo, obviously, it feels like Wolfenstein. If you liked the new Colossus, there's absolutely no reason why you won't love Youngblood. The thing that was really impressive to me was just how fast it felt because the twins are faster than BJ and BJ's fast. And so it really made the combat feel almost Doom like. Mm. Um, especially since we got to play Doom Eternal in like the same um, session that Bethesda was having. And it just felt super fast, uh, which I thought was really cool. Because even though they've introduced stealth mechanics and stealth elements into the Wolfenstein franchise, let's be honest, this is still like an in-your-face combat game. You can't really play Wolfenstein's stealth. You can, do, you can stealth certain parts, but I mean, it's a run-and-gun game. Yeah. The one thing I also really enjoyed, and I enjoyed in New Colossus as well, is whether they, the way they interject humor. And I won't say the scene because honestly, I think it was so, such a delightful scene to me. Um, but there's there's some really cute moments between the two girls uh, and their journey on becoming like badass Nazi killers. And so I think I'm really looking forward to see seeing that journey a little bit more and seeing how they both evolve as characters. Yeah, this isn't a short game either. I mean, not surprising. I think I read 30 hours or so they can take, which is freaking awesome. Now, were you ladies playing on different TVs? I don't know if split screen is a part we of this. Were playing we were on different, different monitors, TVs, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. I'm excited. It'll be fun. And they announced the release date is during QuakeCon on July 26th, so just soon. Over a month away, yeah. Five weeks? Yes. Six weeks? So, Andrea, are you going to play this with me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Girl, I'm down. Let's Hell go. Yeah. Uh, Brittany, can... <laughs> uh, which game of your selection here would you like to talk about? Well, do we want to stick to stuff I played at E3, or I can talk about the stuff I played after E3? I think what do we like? do E3, I think. Yeah, let's Keep stick it. to E3. Okay. Um, 
one of the games I played was really cute, and Samer was there watching me, was Link's Awakening. And this game is obviously a recreation of the Link's Awakening game that came out in 90, of what year? It was in the 90s. It's it, it, it an old game. It's an old game. But um, what I was really impressed with by this game was that we've seen games try to do remakes before. The first one that comes to mind is the Secret of Mana remake. And that game just kind of fell flat, in my opinion. It just didn't have the charm of a game that came out in the 90s. Obviously, that's hard to translate. A game that came out in the 90s feels much different. And if you have nostalgia attached to it and you play it, you know, today, it still feels special like that. But the remake of Secret of Mana just, it didn't do it for me. Um, So I was really surprised. Actually, probably not surprised. This is Nintendo. um, That playing Link's Awakening, looking the way it does, still instilled those feelings of I'm a little kid. So the problem with me and Link's Awakening is I played it when I was far too young. I didn't understand quite what to do and how to do it. I needed more direction. I think around that time, I need to find out when that game released. Hold on. Link's Awakening release date. Nine. I don't want the new release date, Google. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Hold on. Get wrecked. Yeah, I am getting wrecked. 1993. Yes. So I was just five years old, barely five. So at that point, I was playing Super Mario World, which is like, okay, you move left to right. You're doing fine. But on Link's Awakening, it's like, okay, here you go. Go do your thing. It's a top down grid based ish. Well, grid based in the sense that you move left, right, up or down. Uh, and so I never finished it back then, but I, what I did do is I stuck around to the main like areas next to the house where there's like the chain shop and the beach and these weird ass characters because this is a Zelda game that's very strange. There's a lot of strange characters in this game and it's not your typical Zelda game. So it's been a very long time since I played this. So playing it at Nintendo's booth, um, it was really... I was quite surprised that I, I felt like I was, you know, five years old again, wandering around seeing this random stuff. And I remembered where certain heart containers were and like how to get my sword. And, you know, you have to find like the mushroom and turn it into powder. So you give it to the raccoon who turns into a human. Like this is all weird stuff. But this is like Link's Awakening. And it was really cute. And it was really um, it looked great. I only had, I think, 15 minutes with it. So you don't didn't get to do a hell of a lot. But what's interesting about what they're doing with Link's Awakening is they're doing this thing called Chamber Dungeons. And so how it works is every time you finish a dungeon, you get little certain you get certain rooms of that dungeon. And then what you get to do is go to a little location within the game and you get to create your own dungeons and then you get to run through them and you get prizes. So what we've seen so far I is that prizes. You get little prizes. So what we've seen so far is Link runs through a dungeon he's created and the dungeons obviously have to all have to have an entrance. They have to have a boss room and all the doors have to be connecting. So you can't make some sort of Sims hellhole where you like put your Sims in a room with no doors, which I've seen people do. Oh my god. Which is I pretty wish funny. I, I wish I had shown that to you when we played The Sims. At yes. We got to talk about that in the next segment. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a great time. Um, and then you get to run through those dungeons. And like you said, you get a prize. So the only prize we've seen is a fairy bottle, which is not surprisingly a bottle for fairies, which is very important in Legend of Zelda games. And um, it's, I don't think so far they've confirmed whether or not you're going to be able to share these dungeons. Because something that I think would be really cool would be something like a Mario Maker, but a Zelda Maker, where you get to make your own top-down dungeons and share those with the world. I think that would blow minds. Jared Petty is the one who really planted this in my head, and I was like, oh my god, you're so correct. And actually, Jason Schreier at Kotaku had an interview with Anuma, and Anuma said, you know, if, if people want this, maybe we'll make it happen. So everyone go out and buy Link's Awakening and make so many dungeons so Nintendo gives this to us. But... But like that's kind of all I have to say about it. Like I didn't have a lot of time with it, but it felt great. The charm was still there. 
made me feel like I was, you know, five or six again. And I'm excited to dink around with the the dungeon creator. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was really it was cute. cute. I watched over your shoulder. I was like, this looks like a fun little game to play for a bit. Mm-hmm. It will be more traditional Zelda because the first one I ever played was Breath of the Wild. And I was a little not um, confused, but I was I- just like, eh. But there's something really wild happening with Britney's camera. Oh, is it doing and, the, the color thing again? Yeah, it's like your Steimer, can you see it? No, it looks normal to me. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna have to send a clip to you guys because it's like it's like she's like going like she had a rave. She's like yeah, it's like her face keeps pixeling in and out, almost like the take on me video from Aha. Oh my god. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh, but, that's a good but, reference but then oh it's like really cool it's oh okay you're back oh party's <laughs> over <laughs> want want get a timestamp. stamp gif it <laughs> i will i will that's a that's a social media clip waiting to happen perfect but yeah this comes out in the end of september it'll be great it'll be cute should play it it looks cute i'm watching some gameplay on youtube right now it's like oh it looks adorable. so cute i just pre-ordered the collector's edition like of course you did. Yeah, I did. I'm so excited. I'm not ah! surprised. Ah! Um, do you ladies want to talk about our experience playing Gears 5 Escape together? Yes. Yeah. So we were at the Xbox showcase after the briefing, and they had some hands-on opportunities. I was a little disappointed they didn't have more for Gears 5. I was expecting like a lengthy clip of gameplay considering the game's out in September. But yeah, instead, they showed us Gears 5 Escape Mode. But we still had a good time playing it. We got to play all three of us together. And the whole idea of the escape mode is that you're taken like deep into Locust territory to try to like snuff them out from the inside. And the whole idea is that you're in this kind of underground area and that it's filling with this poison gas because you're trying to kill all these locusts that are there you're essentially planting a bomb and the idea is to infiltrate kill the locusts plant the bomb to to destroy the hive and then to escape once everything's done um and so you have to you know once you plant the bomb you have to fight your way out of locusts and then you go through these big doors and then like the doors like start to close slowly and you have to like firefight them on your way out. So it was a, an interesting mode. Definitely like a little bit of a twist from your traditional horde because generally, you know, in horde you kind of like sock yourself in and put up your defenses and get ready to batten down the hatches for all the waves. And this time you really have to be aggressive about moving around the map because otherwise if you stay too long in one area, the poison gas will creep in and kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I Yeah, it was fun. I always forget what it's like to pick up a Gears game when you haven't played Gears in a while. Yeah, it feels different than you remember. It feels weighty. for me. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, boom. You know, you feel the weight of all that armor. Um, It was a fun mode, though. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever play this mode outside of what I played with you ladies. I'm just into Gears purely for the story of it. But it was fine. I had a cool hammer. I don't remember what it was called. I've always enjoyed um, Horde mode for a bit, and I think I will enjoy this mode actually probably a little. Horde is fun, but then at some point you're just like, oh my god, we're on. It it gets overwhelming. Um, So I think that this looks like a nice fun mode to switch it up in between Horde modes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we finished the demo. We kicked ass, and the people who sat down next to us, man, they were there after we sat down, and we lapped their asses. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of was like, are, are you just really bad at this? Or like, 
slow. I don't know. I don't weird. Know. You know. Yeah, I don't know what their what their problem was because we were kicking ass. Maybe it's just because we're just so good at video we're games. Like, we're uh, such like, good girl like, gamers. We were the best. Um, yeah. But I, I love Gears, and so I'm definitely going to play this. I like the idea of a co-op mode that I can play in Gears that isn't 50 waves of Horde. Um, yeah. Because sitting down for that kind of a commitment and making sure you get through, you know, zero to 50 um, is almost like a raid, right? It's like you know it's going to be several hours, especially if you're playing on the harder difficulty settings. And so I like the more bite-sized version that Escape is. You know, you can sit down and run it in, like we did ours in less than 14 minutes or something like that because it was our first try. Um, but clearly there's going to be like a speed run community built around these modes and things like that. So um, I'm really interested to see more, but I'm really most interested in what's happening in the Gears 5 story. Mm-hmm. So I really like that extended uh, gameplay trailer that, well, not gameplay, cutscene, really, that they um, unveiled after the briefing. And also that really cool cinematic trailer that we saw during the briefing, which is really just Kate like having this weird freak out moment. Um, but the more story-based trailer that we got afterwards, I think really kind of opened the door as to what we can expect narratively. So we haven't really seen much more other than a few different gun tweaks of how they're changing up the gameplay style of Gears 5. But again, I think this is one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of moments. Like Mm -hmm. as long as they can nail the narrative and make the game fun, I think people will be happy. Yeah. All I need from them is a bit more level variance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I'm good. You just need keep more, on, more vehicle on. scenes. Oh fuck no. no! No, I need more. I just need more, uh, more variety in the game design or the level design. That's where I'm going. With. Like more colors. Level design. No, no I don't even care. That's no, not the colors. It's just the way that the levels are structured. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. um, like the cover. It's a, lot of, yeah. it's a lot of like I walk into a room. I know where I'm going to like bunker up against. A bunch of people will come at you, rinse, repeat. Like which is fine. It's for like every video game, me, though, right? But for to me, if you don't have anything to break it up, that's where it gets. And because like things like Uncharted have those, but they also have platforming and they have other things where it breaks up the monotony of just walking into a room and shooting a bunch of people. Right. Um, So I just I'm looking for a little bit. I'm Mm -hmm. looking for that thing in between the shooties. Yeah. You don't want Mm -hmm. just a whole game of shooting galleries. I get it. Yes. Um, And then they, of course, announced the release date for Gears 5 happening on September 10th as rumored. Um, coming to Xbox One and PC. Um, yeah, I think I think that's pretty all, all we have. I imagine we're going to get another preview event. The beta for Horde, I believe they announced, is happening in August? July? I don't remember. I'll look it up. I can't keep track of any of these dates anymore. I just wrote, I wrote them all down in my phone because I'm not even, I'm done trying to remember. I can't. There's too many. Yeah, there was certainly a a giant info dump. Uh, The Gears 5 beta, otherwise known as a tech test, starts on July 17th. So to enroll, which focuses on multiplayer modes like Team Deathmatch, you'll need to have pre-ordered the game or be an owner of an active Game Pass subscription. So, good to know. Game Pass, Game Pass. Okay, let me take a look here at the list. We got, there's so many things we could talk about. Um, (laughs) Let me maybe chat for a brief moment about Oddworld Soulstorm. Oh, boy. Because this is the game that kind of went under the radar at E3, but I got a chance to play at Judges Week. So 
Odd World is back. If you guys have ever played any of the Odd World games, this is very much like a, a new installment in that franchise. The gameplay is very true to the iconic Odd World gameplay that you know, the kind of 2.5D, the platforming, the, you know, saving the the slaves and, and things like that it all, has all returned. So I got to do a demo with Lauren Lanning, uh, one of the creators of Oddworld Soul, Soulstorm, which was super fun. Um, and they actually dumped us into a chapter about halfway through the game, which was kind of brutal. Because the mechanics in this game are really challenging to get a hold of because there's a lot of moving pieces. So essentially, you're using the environment for gameplay, um, like traps. So the Mudokuns, I think I said that right, um, are the little like weird guys with the big eyes that you see on the mm-hmm. cover. Um, yes. You play Abe, uh, the guy who's going in to try to save everybody. And so you get to these power plants in these factories and you see all these Madokans who are essentially working as slaves and you're trying to go in there and, and rescue them from their servitude. So you have to use your followers throughout the world to solve puzzles and the gameplay they've really kind of up it from like a, t- a traditional more 2.5D uh, side-scrolling platformer to a 2.9D is what Lauren was calling it. Um, so there are curved paths that go like in and out of the foreground. So it kind of gives this really cool visual style of where it, it will feel like it's flat, like a flat side scroller. And then it will like turn and go 3D for brief moments and then come back to flat. It was so kind of like I've seen a game do this once or twice, but not as slickly as I saw it in Oddworld Soulstorm. So I really did enjoy what they were doing with the art style. And so this game is filled with um, tons of physics and tons of um, dynamic gameplay elements. So, for example, you have a crafting system that allows you to build all sorts of things. You can craft a soda pop bomb by taking a can of soda from a vending machine and, you know, combining it with like a firecracker or something and then it like makes it into this explodey bomb you can make it into a bouncy soda bomb by taking the bomb that you've crafted and wrapping rubber bands around it and then you can (laughs) throw it and it will like bounce around in the world and so you can use that in particular sections to maybe get guards that are hard to reach or to try to hit levers and things like that and the upgrading and crafting system is is very deep. They didn't go too much into it because, quite frankly, it was just like too much to take in in, in the short demo time that we had. Um, but there's a lot of things in that are built around what they call their scavenging economy. So you can loot items in the world, so trash cans, you know, your standard lockers, things like that, and then the items you picked up pick up all go to part of the crafting system and into the in-game currency system that will then give you money to buy stuff, you know. The typical video game thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have a a backpack where you can store all these things. But the cool part is that you can gift some of the items that you've crafted to your followers. So as you're running around the world as Abe, picking up followers and trying to save them as you're progressing through the level, um, you can go into your backpack and equip your followers with weapons. You can like make a bunch of grenades and then equip them to your followers. (laughs) And then your followers will throw them at enemies. But it's hazardous. Because if they don't throw them at the right time, then they can end up accidentally killing themselves. Oh, boy. And the, oh, so they're real smart. Um, yes, yeah, smart is maybe not the word I would use to describe <laughs> these guys. Um, and it presents a challenge to decide 
what items are safe to equip them with and what items are not? Like what items do you need to maybe not let your NPC just randomly throw and what can Mm. they throw? Um, And then they have these more gauntlet-style tower defense sections where the perspective of the camera changes and it goes almost into like a gallery shooting where you have to like make it through with as many followers as possible as all these guards are kind of shooting you at the same time. Um, It was really hard. It was a really tough demo, and I think it had a lot to do with a ton of gameplay mechanics being thrown at us at once and then them dumping us 50% of the way into the game mm-hmm. and not having any ramp up and learning like what all the items do and how much of this item yeah. do I want to craft and how much of this item do I want to craft and what can my followers get away with using and what do I not want to equip them with. Um, cause I was accidentally killing a bunch of my followers too, just cause I would throw you monster. down. Well, it was an accident. Like I'd throw down like a fire grenade and then I would make a and jump then they walk and then into they it? would walk into the fire. I'm like, don't walk over there. That's you know? just natural selection. Wait, don't worry so about it. It's sort it. of like, it's it sort of like, like lemmings in a bit, like the early, like, they'll just kind of keep going. You have to <laughs> plan around them to like, and lemmings, you are trying to get them to go, but you know. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, they're going to follow you as much as they can, but they're not as fast as you. And, you know, there's once you get like a big there's clump of them, shamblers. Like if you get like 20 of them, you know, and you're jumping between these platforms, you know, they don't all jump as a single unit. They'll jump down individually. So you have to be <laughs> mindful of how fast or slow you're moving in certain parts of the world. I mean, it sounds like we're not really losing anything important by these dumbasses like falling <laughs> and dying to their death. So, hey. Well, but the thing is, is you're supposed to try to get out with every... Mudokin maybe can. they should be better at jumping maybe yeah. they should not walk mm. into fire yeah maybe true. they should have a little bit of a self-preservation right thing running in their bodies right. so that they don't do these things and the few that survive are the ones worth surviving i don't disagree with you that <laughs> this is definitely something that um is not a bad idea but um especially like um, I walked away learning much more about Oddworld than I'd ever known before, never having played an Oddworld game and not really knowing much about Abe in, the, in this franchise. But if you come from a history of loving the previous Oddworld games, might be something you want to put on your radar. Um, I don't have a release date. Let me double check. There she goes. It's hard with these demos because I understand on one hand, they want you to experience all the gameplay mechanics that they have and the cool things you can do. Because if they start you at the beginning, it's mostly a tutorial. Like, okay, you can walk left to right and you can jump over things and you mm-hmm. don't get a full grasp of what the game can offer. But when you only have like 20 to 30 minutes or even sometimes an hour, depending on the game, it's just hard to get it and get good that quickly. I feel yeah, you, because because games naturally have a progression and build over time. And so mm-hmm. you're basically cutting all of that out. And it's just like, here you go. Like that was, that's definitely a lot. Uh, that is basically almost every game demo that exists. It's like here, we're going to dump you kind of in the middle and, or sometimes if they're real crazy, like toward the end and you're just like, all right, I haven't yeah. learned any of the things that I would naturally learn, but I mm-hmm. guess I'll give this a go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Indeed. Um, just to follow up, it says just says the release date is 2020. Um, so no so like everything else. Yeah, yep. no window, no month, just the year 2020. 
Um, and this is supposed to be a, a continuation of what was happening with the previous game. So Oddworld Inhabitants, um, Oddworld, uh, Munch's Odyssey, Stranger's Wrath um, were spinoffs, I believe. Um, so technically there have been around eight Oddworld games, it looks like. Um, but there was like a core a quintology. Now, this is the game where you would fart. What? what? Where you would let out air biscuits. That's British slang for a fart. You just wanted to bring up farts so that you could no, say I air swear, biscuits. In Odd World, you could fart. And I think it would like, it would uh, damage enemies or something. I don't know. I just what? remember it. it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. That it was sounds, on a PlayStation demo, that a PlayStation right. demo disc. That I got back in the day, and I had an Odd World demo, and uh, I was I would just run around and fart. That was what it I says, did. Uh, Odd World Abe's Exodus farting at the boiler. So yes, apparently you could. Yeah, fart. I yeah. literally googled Odd World fart mechanic, and there was this old Neil Gaff thread called fart mechanics in games. And yes, Mudokins and Odd World can fart. There we I go. googled can you fart in Odd World. <laughs> 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 short answer so is good. yes yes y- you can. yes yes you it was a button press yeah it was great there you go so can yeah can you air biscuit um air maybe biscuit. I t- i'm gonna ask if can you air biscuit <laughs> can you air biscuit yeah i'm going through my book of slang that teddy got me and that's my second word is air biscuit that means fart ladies and gentlemen now you know i love it yeah it doesn't bring anything up so sorry britain you're on your own Dang. Um, all right. Well, listen, we have a lot more E3 games to talk about. Um, when we come back, we're going to take a short break just because we wanted to divide the E3 things into two different segments. Uh, we have a couple of your questions we're going to answer. And then I definitely want to talk about Doom Eternal. I want to talk about Darth Strider's Genesis. And you ladies got to play Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh boy, Luigi. That's just a short preview of what we're going to talk about and more. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's segment three of the What's Good Games podcast. And this week's feature segment is a continuation of our chat about E3 2019. But before we get to that, I'm going to tell you that this segment is brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out of debt is hard, especially if your FICO score isn't great. Sky-high interest rates can make it incredibly hard for you to break out of the revolving debt cycle. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off higher interest credit card debt. Sometimes life gets busy, so you stop keeping track of all of your bills, and that interest can really rack up. Think of managing your credit like you would min-max in your favorite RPG. (laughs) It's like the game of adulting. Oh boy. Upstart Sorry, Upstart goes beyond the traditional FICO score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstart believes that you're more than just your credit score. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. And the best part, that once the loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. The next day, you guys, that's money quick. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund their wedding, or to make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one 
in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash what's good to find out how low your upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and don't forget it will not affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash what's good to check your rate today. Woo! So before we get into our E3 2019 Dear WGG questions and a few more hands-on that we had at the show, we have to give a big shout-out and thank you to all of our legendary patrons and above over at patreon.com slash what's good games. This is where we awkwardly read your names every month. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And try not to mispronounce them, but undoubtedly will mispronounce Mm -hmm. somebody's name. Multiple people's names, yeah. I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who wants to start? I'll start. Adam Kindison. Adrian Arock Williams. Alberto Andres Videla. Alex Rogopoulos. Andrew Cotton. Andrew Susan. Anthony Murphy. Ariella Furman. Bert Meg. Bill Stilwell. Billy Shibley. Brian Harper. Brian R. Johnston. Brooke Lurie Asia Harris. Carl Peterson. Kathy Lucas. Chris Wilson. <laughs> uh, Christer Lindmark. Christian Rodriguez. David Icolucci. Devin Nitz. Donato Zanichio Third. Drew Quesada. <laughs> Dustin Lewis. Dylan Blank Piece of Paper. E. Benjamin Janakis. <laughs> I definitely said that wrong. Check this. <laughs> E. Rosari. Eli. Eli. Uh oh. Elizabeth Brooke. <laughs> Elmo Shell. Emily Kent. Hola. Ferris Tay. Gabriel DeAndrea. Gio Corsi. Gregory Horton. I, even, Ivan. Biharano. Ivan. Biharano. Jacob Ivan. Safari. Ooh, Safari. Jake Sue. James Johnny Bravo. Jared Howard. <laughs> Jasmine Lee. Jason Kahn. Uh, Jason Dimmers. Jessica Bloom. Joe Kennison. Joe Schleif. Joe Wilson. The John Drake. Jonathan Cardwell. Joselle Bassa. Justin Foshi. Justin Foss. Kevin Dunkel. Kia B. Kyle and Kelly B. Kyle Kaiser. Oh, hell yes. Leonardo Roberto Talavera Barroccio. Uh, Lincoln Davis. Lucas Cheney. Oh, boy. Lie Lasik, formerly Cool Rat Daddy. <laughs> Marco Antiveros. Marcus Brown. Mark Dressrup. Martha Emery. Marty McFly. Oh, my Dude. God. Dude. <laughs> Matthew Goder. Matthew Simpson. Melanthius Owens. Michael S. Mohammed Mohammed. Malay Bittner. Nambui. Nicole Humphrey. Noel Navarez. Jose Mejia. Paige Porter. Patrick Higgins. Patrick Landry. Patrick Weller. Pete Shoemaker. Professor Metal Gear. Pontified. <laughs> Pure Blue Octopus. RJ Bryan. <laughs> Regan Ibsen. Rob Leonard. Robert Adams. Roland Bala. Ross Haney. Sam. Sean I. Simon Bergstead. Uh, I'm so sorry, man. Oh, wait, wait. Here, right. Do you have it? Sean Stevenson? It's really just Sean? This whole time it's been Sean. 
<laughs> I, I believe so. Yes. Oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> uh, we are sorry. Also, Steph Wu. Stephanie Fitzwilliams. Sydney Kong. Tara Bruno. Teddy Gunn. Teresa Innit. The Ghost Dog 420. Ooh, hey. Throw 7. Ooh. Timothy Bennett. Tony Hestia. Shay. 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 Yeah. Shay. <laughs> Trent Berry. Trent Pennington. Trevor Starkey. Tyler McCall. We'll call him. Will Hernandez. And Zach Hershey. Kiss. Thank you once again to our legendary patrons and above. We love you guys. And thank you so much for supporting everything we do here at What's Good Games. Again, patreon.com slash what's good games. Again, we have our fantastic patron exclusive streams happening next weekend. You can check out all those details on our Patreon page. So now, without further ado, we are going to continue our E3 2019 discussion and we're going to kick this segment off with luigi's mansion 3 oh god that's not the direction i thought you were going i thought we were going to first <laughs> Luigi. <laughs> yeah so nintendo's booth was awesome um i got there like a little early so steimer was you know she was on time and all or were you late i don't remember it I doesn't was matter slightly late because the uber driver did circles around the block instead of picking me up yeah uber was a hot mess i mean to be fair la is just a hot mess especially during e3 but yeah, so I was playing Link's Awakening, and Steimer joined me for my Nintendo appointment, and then I was like, yo, Steimer, why don't you play some Gooigi? Get your hands on some Luigi's Mansion. And get she's some, like, some jello Ouija. Let's get some, what's it, plas- plasma? No, what's it called? Ectoplasm? Ectoplasm. Yeah. Anyway, you know, th- okay, I'm going to let Steimer talk about this. There are just a few appointments during E3 that I completely forgot. I don't know where my brain was at the time, but there's you like, you don't little... remember anything about Luigi's Mansion? I, re- I remember a few things. Yeah. I mean, I remember you like doing the puzzles and using Gooigi and like sucking everything around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a little, I yeah. was not good at Luigi's Mansion because I've never played one of these games before. Um, but basically how you'll play you, uh, the premise is you all go to this hotel because they're like, hey, we'll put you up for free. And then uh, you get there and it's a shit show. So like you ha- <laughs> as Luigi have to rescue, I believe, like Peach, Mario, even though like. Oh, yeah, that's right. really underrated brother. And like no one respects you as Luigi. Poor Luigi. You have to dude. go save all of their asses. Yeah. Um, and so basically this place is haunted, which is why there are ghosts. Because that's. <laughs> fairly basic um, haunting probably- like haunting 101 there's ghosts oh my god uh so but what luigi has to fight with is basically like a ghostbusters pack but obviously they couldn't call it that the poltergust 3000 yeah um but what it does you can use your flashlight to like stun the ghosts and i believe you can do different types of bursts you can do like a long burst to like really fuck them up uh, and then you suck them in vacuum style and you can do a few different things where like the way you set like combo is basically you can do with with the stunning and then the uh, su- stunning and the sucking stunning and the sucking. <laughs> Say it, girl. <laughs> Uh, mm. we're all mature adults around here it's fine (laughs) Luigi's Mansion is rated E for everyone (laughs) Nintendo Uh, knew what they were doing yeah yeah. Uh, and like there's there's parts where like you can grab the ghost and like thwack it around once you get it to a certain point Um, (laughs) so basically you're going through and cleaning cleaning out the ghosts but there are sometimes like in every 
level slash room, I believe they said there's something sort of hidden. There's something hidden there that you can either ignore completely or try to look around and figure out. So Luigi also has a plunger with a rope on it because uh, he's a plumber. So that makes sense. And <laughs> you can like fire it at things and then pull down walls, basically. So in a, there was this one area with some kegs and you could fire the plunger, pull the keg wall down. And then there was little collectibles inside of the keg. Which is where I keep all of my safety, my mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. things for safekeeping as well as inside giant barrel barrels that I would normally keep wine in. And then uh, there was also eventually like, kind of as you get the hang of things, there are more puzzle rooms where you are <sighs> transforming into everyone's <laughs> favorite version of Luigi, Gooigi, which... <laughs> He's really gross. <laughs> he's not attractive. He, yeah, when he, he walks, looks like he he's made of jello. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, looks yeah. like he is and green then, jello Luigi. And then like Luigi's life force is sucked out of him because he just kind of slumps over and just kind of rocks a little bit back and forth. And it's, it's kind of disturbing. It's a little disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So all of the energy, the spirit of Luigi is taken essentially he's possessing this ectoplasm which is a little weird um, so like yeah regular luigi goes to sleep gooigi comes to life and then you become immune to things like spikes so different parts of uh like things that might harm you <laughs> gooigi don't care he just goes <laughs> on through <laughs> so that's what you really will use him for and then you can kind of do the thing where like oh i can put gooigi over on this platform and then luigi on this platform and like trigger two things at the same time you have mm. puzzles a little bit like that as well um so it looks interesting and cute i was having a little bit of trouble aiming the aiming my the poltergust uh, my suck force and all of <laughs> i feel like i could have used some more practice but otherwise it was a very cute fun game yeah and what's cool about it too is that it has co-op so i think i don't, I don't remember exactly i think you can play co-op as soon as you get gooigi and then someone can possess gooigi and then you both can go on your bad selves and suck all the ghosts up it was fun to watch Steimer play it now that she's talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. I think I, I think I was severely dehydrated. And I think like half of my shit is just like gone into the ether. Um, but yeah, it, it reminded me of Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube. I didn't play Luigi's Mansion on the 3DS at all. But it has that little charm to it where it's it's fucking Luigi. And of course, the game he gets is the one where he's just scared shitless the whole time and terrified because, of course, it's it's luigi and it's cool how the levels of this mansion are going to be themed differently so the one we were on was medieval themed and so the levels all have these little collectibles that you can find i think it's like five or six and the collectibles we got during level were these swords because the medieval theme and of course like there are curtains on the wall that you could suck and then that would reveal um like a hidden door or something like that and it was just it's a really cute game i think it's gonna be a really great game to play um regardless of who you are but i think especially for children and their parents because i mean it's you know i mean it says gooigi's a little terrifying but just don't you don't have to explain that to your kids mommy why gooigi make luigi go to sleep it's a jello man (laughs) it's fine dear lime jello (laughs) gooigi photos were by far and away the most common e3 thing i saw in my friends feeds i think everybody i know took a photo with Gooigi. I didn't. I'm sad. I didn't either. I know. You, you guys didn't take a photo with Gooigi? I didn't. I didn't find Gooigi. No, he was down in like the um, main area. We were upstairs on top of the booth where the demos were for press. 
So he wasn't up there and I was sad. We I didn't even go into the West Ouija. Hall. Literally did not step foot inside the West Hall this year. At all? Damn, girl. Not not once. I would nope. have wheeled your ass in there. Yeah. Aw, thank you. Yeah, I didn't really have a, a lot of free time between the demos that we had booked and then the, when I was on the Facebook gaming stage. So I really just like did not see, completely missed the West Hall this year. Happened. But thanks for doing doing the Nintendo work that needed to be done, ladies. Oh, I mean, any time. Oh, Pokemon. Oh. But I talked about that last week. I don't have to talk about it again. I just still um, want to reiterate that I'm me, my salty ass, excited. Excited about the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. You're just excited all, for a Yamper. It's all about that, uh, what's his name? Yamper. 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 The fucking the, Corgi, electric-type Corgi Pokemon. He's going to make electricity with his butt. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty cute. Very on-brand for Pokemon to do a Corgi. Really overdue. I mean, we got a trash bag Pokemon before we got a Corgi? <laughs> yep. That's very yeah. true. I feel like electric Pokemon get all the good ones. They already have Pikachu, and now they have Yamper. I feel like the other, the other ones need some loving. Anyway, yeah, that's you, all. You're not a Scorbunny fan? No, Scorbunny's like a Sobble. dick. Yeah, I like Sobble. Sobble's oh, gonna yeah, evolve right. to be like the biggest, most badass Pokemon ever. And those of you who, ha- who haven't been standing with him since the beginning are not worthy of him. Sobble's I'm, I'm like very a very passionate. like a very Eeyore e type. Yeah, I'm 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 oddly passionate about Sobble, and I've never really gotten this way before with a Pokemon unless it was Magikarp or Coughing, which are like two of the dumbest, most derpiest Pokemon ever. But for some Coughing. reason, yeah, I got a thing for Sobble. It's my boy. You I want to hear him, him say you. his name. I want to know what he sounds like. That's probably heartbreaking. See, like Sobble. Or oh, is no. it like Sobble? I hope it better not be annoying like that. I'll be like, I'm going to put Sobble, some Sobble, tape Sobble. over your Sobble, ass. Sobble, Sobble, Sobble. And be like, like mean, a gobble, gobble. He's a turkey. <laughs> Pokemon, it's going to be annoying for sure. No, because Pikachu's like, Pikachu. And you're like, oh my God, you're so adorable. It's annoying when they have like, conversations. Pika, Pika. Yeah. <laughs> It gets annoying after a while. I love that that's your argument. Like, but he also <laughs> This other cute thing. He says this other cute thing. This oh, is God. the way he says it's not cute. Like the actual mm. words are cute. Yes. Sure. Yeah. His inflection Ugh. can change. Oh, God. I mean, I was here the day that we drank apple teenies and tried to talk to Pikachu on Amazon he, Alexa. He yeah, got was... a little sassy with us. Oh he yeah, sure did little fucker. Yeah, <laughs> I know Yamper would never do that to us. No, Yamper's the goodest boy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, going from cute and cuddly to the exact opposite end of the spectrum, it's all about the demons in Doom Eternal. Woo! So this was another game that we got to get some hands-on time with during Judges Week, and boy, oh boy. Doom is back and better than ever. If you liked Doom 2016, which I don't know if that's like the official name that all the development team is calling it, but every time I talk to them about it, that's how they refer to it as Doom 2016, then you are going to absolutely love what they're doing with Doom Eternal. So they're taking that same like super fluid, fast, in-your-face, run-and-gun gameplay that Doom is known for and kind of ratcheting it up a bit. By incorporating a little bit more 
mechanics that make you stop to think about your choices instead of just running around like a crazy person shooting everything you see you have to strategically think about do i want to do a glory kill on this demon do i want to light them on fire and then kill them do i want to melee (laughs) them because the way that you kill them will determine how you refill your health your armor your magazine with uh, your bullets and so you're going to have to really think strategically about how you want to move through these levels in a way that maybe you didn't think about when you played the original Doom. And I don't mean the original Doom. I mean Doom 2016. <laughs> um, I mean, the you know, the, like the, the modern yeah. Doom. So, and it's interesting because th- these mechanics are, they've tweaked them for Doom Eternal, but they pretty much were in um, the previous Doom. But from what I've heard from talking to various people, I think a lot of people didn't understand that those mechanics were. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the game um but they of course are making them a little bit more more complex this time around they also announced at e3 this new mode this multiplayer mode where you get to play as the demons cool. uh, which i thought was really interesting you could be we- brainy boy if you want oh i Prang. forget the names that i made up with them i brainy boy was one there's probably one that was just called big old boy Sounds right. I don't flying boy. I don't remember. Like, <laughs> They're I was, all boys. When we were at this event, I mean, yeah, they are. Uh, we, I was making up names for them and being like, "Oh man, it's another fucking Brady boy. Get out of here!" <laughs> yeah, the, the developers had quite a fun time watching Steimer and I play. So it was interesting when they set up the. Let me pull up my notes here. When they set up the demo. They gave like this big presentation about it and talking about things that they had done differently. So I have here, um, let's see that um, it's a the gameplay. It's a power fantasy combat puzzle. It's something to master, and they give you the tools to overcome the obstacles. It requires some level of pushback, which is death, meaning you will die repeatedly, and that those deaths are there to teach you what to do differently. Um, not necessarily my favorite style of gameplay in fact i've said on this show several times that this mechanica we want you to learn through death is something i actively don't like but i think when you go into a game like doom the the way they approach it feels a little bit different than a game like celeste approached it for example Uh, because you obviously are going to die thousands of times in that game too Uh, but that was more about execution than about like learning from death at least for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um the, you get to take what you need from enemies ammo uh is chainsaw kills like i said health is glory kills armor is flame belches and then um you know you can glory kill more demons to get a blood punch uh they've got destructible demons uh so they have heavy enemies that have weak points and then a big focus is that the game is fun inside and outside the arenas and so they've upgraded the traversal abilities with this cool grapple hook thing I had I had a that was my least favorite part (laughs) was trying to do some of the the traversal because there Mm. were one of the levels we were on it's basically a bunch of floating platforms and at one point it was like this you went from this one floating platform in between these two stalag tights might tight from the ceiling they might grow up one day so So tights slag tights um and. Wow, look at you. They're teaching That's, me something new today. Hey. Uh, and you had to like maneuver, like shoot across through them, grapple on to the wall, like go over and like grapple around this weird side and then climb up a thing. And I was like, I was having a lot of trouble 
um, getting him to stick to the walls the way that I thought he was supposed to. And I found myself just falling off and not gripping when I thought I would mm. grip. Um, so that was kind of irritating to me. But um, I actually, after, once I got the hang of it, was very much into the fluidity of the combat. And I, But I did find myself needing to just run in circle a few times to think, like Andrea was saying, like, what do I need? What do I need? Like, so I'm just running mm. around kind of trying to buy myself some time to figure out which which thing I am in need of and how I can set up a kill to get that thing. Um, so be like, oh, shit, I'm out of ammo. Okay, okay, uh, okay, this guy. All right, I'll do this on this side <laughs> and then I'll get the thing. Okay, great. But it it you for me, I, I wasn't at the point where I could have done that like really fast or fluidly. Mm. And certainly right, it's going to yeah. take a little bit of practice, right, to get used yeah, to the exactly. traversal. And whenever you have traversal puzzles in a first person perspective game it makes it even that much more difficult because you can't see where your players feet are landing right <laughs> um yes. so that is part of it as well especially since it feels fast and i kept thinking like am i gonna make that jump am i not gonna make that jump and um you know so kind of made a fool out of myself in that uh, jumping puzzle <laughs> bit <laughs> as well but i mean the game looks great it was super fun. Um, they're going to be having a lot more to show at QuakeCon. And then the game mm. comes out... In the when future. Do you come out? It does My come love. out in the future. That is 100% true. Come out, doom, eternal. November 22nd. Huzzah. Oh, God. The... the- Doom 2016. I love that game. I'm bad at shooting and I'm bad at fast paced shooting like this, but put on baby ass baby mode. And I don't think a game has ever made me feel more like a badass than that game has. When the music is just like pumping into your headphones and you're just like blowing heads off and tearing limbs off of these demons, you're like, yeah, don't fuck with me. And then you go play Nino Kuni and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Palette cleanser. Yeah, it's a palette cleanser. There you go. That's, Who am I? I don't even know. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a gigantic pivot. <laughs> Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the game looks good. Looks cool. Doom. Doom. Destroy Doom on you. Um, all right. So the other game I wanted to chat about um, that I talked about briefly on the Games Cast uh, this week, which you guys probably won't find out about until Monday, unless you're uh, kind of funny supporters, was from THQ Nordic oh. Dark Siders Genesis. So this is oh. developed by Airship Syndicate, of course. <laughs> And is set in the Darksiders universe. It's actually set before the events of Darksiders 1, uh, right after the war in Eden and after the Nephilim have been destroyed. And they've just become the four horsemen. So I just wanted to like refresh people in what Darksiders is. If you have never heard of Darksiders, if you've never played any of the Darksiders games, um, just as like a like a quick backstory um, over on Green Man Gaming, they wrote to maintain order and balance. They formed a group of warriors, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. The first game in the series focuses on war, who is also in this game, who turns up in the present day with a fight between hell and heaven was kicked off on Earth, killing quite a few humans. Um, and so, essentially, the idea is that there's no more humans, and that it's just angels and demon demons fighting for control of the Earth. And so Darksiders Genesis, as the name states, is set in advance of all of the things that happened in the rest of the franchise. And it's a top-down Diablo-style game that's Mm -hmm. co-op. So if you're playing single-player, you have an AI companion. And they've introduced a new horseman called Strife, who I really loved playing as. 
because he feels a lot more nimble than the other horsemen in the game. And war, you can also hot swap between war and strife. I asked them if there would be other playable horsemen in the game, and they said no. And I was like, aww. Mm. But wah, wah. it kind of made me think that they were maybe contemplating adding additional characters in the future down the line. But they said for now it's like it's war and, and strife. But both characters... Probably depends on how well the game does. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess as well. Um, but they both were super fun to play. Um, like I had mentioned, uh, the online or the co-op can be online or can be local split screen if you prefer. Yes. Um, and they kind of have a little bit of a Metroidvania feel where you can like uncover secrets by returning to levels, which is something that you've been able to do in the previous Darksiders games as well. Um, there is damage scaling in co-op. Oh, wait. I asked about damage scaling in co-op, and I, they said there is none. <laughs> and I was like, mm. huh, that's going to be interesting to see how that works when you have people that are different levels. Um, but much like the other Darksiders games, you are fighting against other enemies and it's hack and slash so you have your light attack your heavy attack your dodge roll and you've got a special ability that you can power up and you fight shit hell yeah i'm so excited for this game is there a skill tree yes there is and so there's one for strife and there's one for war do they play different much differently from one another yeah so let me pull up some details about strife girl here for you so Strife is essentially um, more of a rogue-type character, so he is much faster, and he's got these little blades. Um, he's more like, what I'm reading is single-target DPS, like will burst mm. people down, versus okay. war, which is crowd control. Yeah, that or like those that's, AOE. that's gamer terminology for you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> he's burst damage versus AOE crowd control. yes Um, so so strife is the one of the last of the nephilim and of course is one of the horsemen of the apocalypse he's the rider of the white horse which is currently Mm -hmm. unnamed he wields two large handguns oh so they're not blades they're handguns so i messed that up um um, mercy and redemption that's his weapon of choice but i also wield another unknown weapon that could be used for close combat maybe that's what i was thinking of the alternate mm-hmm. weapon because in the demo there is multiple weapons you can choose from and each weapon has its own unique attack i'm gonna look at my friend look at my friends um hands on because i was busy playing and i didn't write down as many details as i should have while i was doing this demo so Ky- that's how it goes. Kyle Hillard over from Game Informer wrote up his um, preview because he was at the same event that I was at. Um, and he says, that it's, he writes, unlike the first three Darksiders game, Genesis has more in common with Diablo than it does with The Legend of Zelda or was the case with Darksiders 3 Dark Souls. We visited Airship Syndicate, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Let me just scroll down through this. Just give me all the loot. I just want to hack and slash shit and get loot level up. Well, there's, I, yeah. there's not, this isn't really a loot-based game. That's the thing. So there's no loot. So when you when we call it a Diablo style, the top-down... visually? Visually, yes, but the gameplay also feels Diablo style, uh, like how you move through the world and how you engage in enemies. Um, particularly in the, we did a dungeon run where we went to this like mm. big boss battle and like it was a super long fight. Um, so you had to be really strategic about like 
when you were using your specials and things like that. But um, And there is loot, but I, I want to be clear. This is not like a, a loot-driven game the same way that Diablo was. like because. I just want to find a random treasure chest now and again, and I'll be happy. Because I know oh, with Diablo, yeah. it's like you get you open a chest or you kill an enemy and all this loot flies around. Like, I'm not expecting that. I just want a chest now and again. Yeah. To reward me for my behavior and my exploration. Absolutely. Well, there will be that for sure. Yeah. Good. That's all I need in life. Well, I'm really excited about this. Sounds like something I'm going to love. I love these kind of games. So, very excited. Yeah, there's a lot of traversal puzzles in the game, too, which is pretty cool. Ooh. Yes. Whoop, whoop. You know, I'll be so the war to your strife, Andrea. Aww. Yeah. That's so sweet. Please do. It'd be fun. And then we can switch and you can play strife and I'll play war. Pew, pew, pew. Because war, then you war can yell is at fun each other. Yeah, I mean, they're both, I mean, they're both fun. They play, they both played great. I'm excited to see mm-hmm. more. The game felt still pretty early to me. Um, when I was playing it, the build kind of had a few bugs here and there, but when you're playing pre alpha code, that's to be expected. Yeah. But some of the, the biggest complaint that I heard from the other judges that played was the traversal markings in the world. It was like the signposting was kind of difficult to follow about like where we were supposed to be going. Because obviously that there's mm. an element to uncovering secrets in the game, but also you don't want to be wasting your time running around if part of the world is just going to be locked off to you. Like the game should communicate, come back later or whatever, yeah. right? Because otherwise then you're just literally running in circles. You're just wasting time, yeah. <coughs> Lost. But Lost in forever. Excuse me, who knows if they're going to build that feedback in. But from what I played, it felt fun. The gameplay felt good. And I didn't get to see like a lot of like the upgrading and the loot systems, but there's time. There will be another, another time to play. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. I'm sorry I didn't take better notes, ladies and gentlemen. Please forgive. It's okay. Please forgive it me. looks fun. Oh yeah. Here's the thing: is we play so many games and we see so many things. <laughs> at some point, it all just kind of blends into one big game. One big game. And that game is called Cyberpunk. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. If only that was playable. But they did announce this week that that what we saw behind closed doors are they going to be releasing at PAX West? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. We should go get it. I want to go see it again. And that was one of my favorite memories from this E3 is seeing it. Okay. What I was going to say is I want to see the Cyberpunk demo with PAX attendees, not necessarily media, because I, when I, before I play Final Fantasy VII, they stick you in a room that's supposed to look like it's something in Midgar and it's like cement walls and they have, you know, like the graffiti on the walls and everything. And then a TV's um, in the room. And then Jesse from Avalanche is on there. She's talking. And this is the fan reaction. I mean, I thought I was loud and obnoxious at press conferences. Let's call it passionate. These fans were so excited and so fucking happy to see this and to be experiencing that, that it was so you forget, I think, sometimes about how um, how much energy and passion really is in this community. And it was really awesome to see that. And it really got me hyped. Because I was, like, sitting there with my little notepad, like, taking notes and all that. And everyone around me is screaming. I'm like, yeah, fuck this. And I started hollering, too. And it was great. So I can only imagine what seeing that cyberpunk demo with other people is going to be like. I like, mean, you, you could have done that at E3, technically, if you wanted to wait in line. They, yeah. had a, they had a shorter demo on the show floor there. Right. Either way. I'm excited to see it again. Because it's energy see, is real. 
Yeah. So how about we before yeah. we wrap up, we take a couple questions from people that wrote into yeah. Dear WGG. <clears throat> um, and the first one we're going to go to is our friend. Brandon K. Gann. Um, hello, Gannon, what's sir. good? And a very happy pre-E3 week. Recently, it was announced that Shenmue 3 was delayed from August to November. And while delays are not bad for a game's final quality, I was curious what you think about a game that has been known for so long getting delayed. While I don't believe any of you ladies are interested in this game specifically, do you think it's just another example of a game being announced much, much too early for its own good? Do you think publishers and developers should only announce games when they're ready? Cough, cough, rock steady, cough, cough. That you Thank you very much for taking my question. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, this is a, an interesting question. And it's tough because I know you're not necessarily referring to Shenmue, but to games that are announced too early in general. But Shenmue needed to be announced with the way that it did because it crowdfunded a lot of its development. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, yes. they needed to raise the money first and then begin the bulk of the development process, of course, aided by additional rounds of financing because we all knew that that Kickstarter was not going to pay for this game. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. no, yeah. I, I back that game. I am a backer of Shenmue 3. Yeah, so what was that, 2015 when that was announced? Yeah, I, I want to say 2015. 20, yeah, that sounds right. It was a while ago. I don't even. I see like little updates come into my inbox from time to time. I'm like, whenever you're ready, man, I'll just delete this and wait for the next one to come through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do but. think that publishers and developers should announce games closer to release windows. But I mean, every game is different. Sometimes you want to mm-hmm. release a game in early access, and so maybe you release it two years before it would ever be on a shelf inside a Target, for example. And so it's it's really tough to know because as much as we love something like a Fallout 4 where they announce it in June at E3 and then release it in November just four months later, oh. that's awesome. But not every publisher or studio has the luxury to be able to do that. Yeah, and I do think sometimes announcements are sort of like appeasements in a way so i think bethesda last year was an example of this like they're basically like yeah we're working on these things but just so you know it's going to be a long time i think the part and i think it's fine to talk about projects when they are very far away i think the context is just important i think bethesda did a good job there of trying to set expectations Mm -hmm. um with the players of like hey yes we'll confirm that these two things exist but do not think that they are coming out anytime soon. Like they have a lot of work still ahead of them. I think where in the past developers have gotten into trouble is when things are made to appear farther along than they really are. And then it kind of just the whole development process gets a little bit borked. And then Final Fantasy get frustrated. 15. Yeah. So like those things where you just feel like you're being strung along. That's never a good thing. I mean, even look at Final Fantasy VII. That was announced in 2015, and this is the first year, four years later, that we actually got some hands-on with a very, very, very brief slice of that game. I mean, I'll be surprised if it comes out in March. I hope it does, but, you know, it, yeah. Amen to what you both said. Put a pin in it. You did it. Yeah. You killed the question. Yeah. All right. Moving on, then. Um, we have a couple of questions 
about the PC gaming show. So Lexus writes in and says, I was a bit surprised to hear your brief discussion on the PC gaming show in your predictions episode and wanted to understand a little bit more about where you're coming from. I totally agree that the hardware stuff is super boring and that the show's format is not very snazzy or cinematic, but I feel like the PC gaming show has often had a lot of the most unexpected or intriguing announcements of the past E3 events. Last year, we got that truly gorgeous adventure game, Sable, open world Lovecraftian detective game, The Sinking City, physics-driven wizardry in Nodia, Nota? Nolta? Noita? 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 Don't know what that is. Uh. Cyberpunk narrative game Neo Cabin, of course, Satisfactory, which has gone on to become really huge. That's not to mention artistic indie, indie stuff like Morningstar or new footage of games like Two Point Hospital and Anno 1800, plus a whole bunch of other games. I feel like the PC gaming show, a show where indies and ambitious mid-sized studios really get to shine, and I feel kind of bummed out that people are off-put by the show's format. What do you think could change at the PC gaming show to make it more interesting to watch so that people don't miss out on all the cool stuff going on there and then te- so what Wait, before you answer that tag teaming is eric who says hey ladies i'm in the process of watching the pre-e3 conferences and i gotta say i was super impressed with the variety of games of the pc gaming show this year what were some of your favorites on that show personally i'm super stoked for unexplored 2 el hijo paraspera and so many truly beautiful games this year so when was the pc gaming show do you remember what it day was and monday time? morning at 10 a.m i believe ahead of ubisoft Okay, then I have no reason to not really watch it. I was gonna. I feel like in the past it's conflicted with other press conferences, and maybe in the past it was Microsoft because Microsoft used to do their shit. Or is that Sunday morning? Well, PC gaming show used to squeeze in after Ubisoft and before PlayStation. One year it did, and then oh, okay. one year it was Tuesday morning. I think after Nintendo. I mean that sh- that show has moved around quite a bit because mm-hmm. i think they kind of pick whatever opening that they can find um and i just completely missed the pc gaming show this year i've covered it in the past um for outlets and i i think it's a, you make a very fair point that people are maybe sleeping on it and i think my personal reason i was turned off by watching the pc gaming show is because it felt like a giant advertisement now Hear me out, because mm. I know that essentially all of E3 is one giant advertisement for all of the games that are coming out, but I don't mind being advertised or seeing trailers or gameplay for the video games that I might purchase, but when I have to constantly hear about who the sponsors of the show are every 10 minutes, it feels a little forced, especially when you're saying the same hardware maker name, like... Let me just pick like, hey, we're cool keyboard maker X and we're sponsoring the PC gaming show. Thanks, cool keyboard maker X. Like I'm just like, you know, making something up here. Um, And like I felt like the last time I watched the show, it just kept really hammering in these weird sponsors. And then also half the show was about esports tournaments and about the prize pools for these esports tournaments. And I just as somebody who's covered E3 for over 10 years, just don't get excited about that news content. I'm not there to cover esports prize pools, and I'm not there to cover mobile gaming tournaments, and I'm not there to cover um, computer hardware. Those are all beats within the video games media business that I've never really specialized in. I've covered them from time to time, of course, throughout my career, but they're not what blows my skirt up, as we like to say around here. That is what I like to say around here. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i looking at a recap, and admittedly, like I like PC games. I just don't like playing on a PC. 
because it's just, you know, I'm on a PC all day. And so I'm looking at these games and like these are something these are things I would probably enjoy. But the honest answer is just what happens at the PC gaming show. I can just hop on YouTube later and read a recap. And I feel like that's good enough. I feel like trying to watch another press conference on top of all of the other ones that we watch is just uh, it does it. I don't care enough to like make an effort to watch it at that point. And that's just the truth. And I'm, you know, I could make an effort. I'm not physically unable to. It's just I don't care enough, quite frankly. And maybe I'll try better next year, but probably not. I, I mean, that's just I'm just being honest here. I've I always, like it. I've, I've, I feel that because I, I see PC gaming show all the time, this stuff all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But it's just E3 is already chaotic enough as it is. And so to try to attend the show or try to keep up with it. And the moment is just my brains. I'm just trying to like eat and oh wipe my, my God. ass. There's what you would appreciate this. I'm scrolling through too. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. On the PC gaming stuff from 2019. And there's a Shenmue trailer. Uh-huh. And the, the still frame, like the thumbnail is totally something you would have picked. Cause it's oh. a person like, like is this one really derpy? Is really yeah. distorted. And I'm just like, this is fucking amazing. This yeah. is a Britney, Britney thumbnail. Absolutely. 100%. Totally. But yeah, that's my honest answer to your question is I just quite frankly don't care enough at this time. Yeah, I think that anything that's large enough will probably permeate like weasel its way out of the PC gaming show. So it's not something I'm probably going to sit in and and watch, Um, but I will end up learning about the gems from it anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's why. There you go. Yeah. PC gamers. Um, and this last one I wanted to to just read isn't really a question, but more of just a, a message that I thought kind of builds off of what you, Brittany and Steimer, were speaking about at the EA Building Healthy Community Summit that, unfortunately, you know, was not live streamed. It was meant to be a discussion with a bunch of the game changers and um, staff members at EA to talk about how to combat online toxicity. Um, so I'm just going to read this from Mo Down Joe who writes, after your discussion last week about maintaining a toxic-free, toxicity-free community, I had to chime in. I'm a moderator, one of several, for Loading Ready Run's official Discord. And keeping a friendly environment in a Discord with over 8,000 users is not an easy task. The mod team is frequently hard at work, coordinating over various means, making sure that the worst parts of the internet don't pollute our community. It's not easy work, and I frequently joke that I barely contribute. That said, having to communicate at least once why our user was getting the ban hammer, it's always amusing how trolls will twist the meaning of the word inclusive to allow them to be lousy people. It's the duty of everyone in a community to foster an environment where everyone is welcome. And if you go around mocking people for showing their preferred pronouns and their username, common on the Loading Ready Run Discord, then that behavior isn't inclusive behavior. And we aren't going to give you any sympathy when we hand out your judgment, as you shouldn't. I've joined the WGG Discord, but haven't hung around the community as much as I would like. That said, knowing what goes into keeping a community free of toxicity, I want to applaud everything you and your mods do. So this is a good opportunity for us to say thank you to all of the What's Good Games mods across YouTube, across Twitch, Facebook, Discord, Reddit, and all of the various places that you can find What's Good Games community members on the internet. We could not manage this community without your support and with your help, and we absolutely applaud you for stepping up and helping us maintain what we think is the best community on the internet. Uh, it is. We know. It's pretty good. It it's pretty good. Did you ladies have it's any good takeaways cool. from the summit that you were at? Yeah, 
it was um it was really nice to see I don't have any of my notes in front of me and I feel like this was like months ago that we did this thing. But it was really nice to see EA really taking a step to try to understand what it is that goes into building a healthy community and what they can do personally to step up, how how they can make themselves available. And they made it very clear, you know, that this is a safe place. This is where we can talk about our legitimate concerns. And it really it really helped when Steimer and I went up there and I Justine and Liam Hackett from uh, CEO of Ditch the Label, we were on the the stage. And so it made us feel me, me anyway, feel more comfortable sharing some more personal stories about how I may like throw my phone away for the week or like what I during the weekend, how I like throw it in a room. And then Steimer made a funny peen in the pool joke. And yes, <laughs> but that's like obviously not a big takeaway. But it, again, I think it was just really nice to see um, the problem is being recognized and there are they are implementing new tools, reporting tools and whatnot. So you can call out an asshat when an asshat is being an asshat. And I think that's really important. And I think this is a problem that plagues all online communities, not necessarily just EA. So I hope that other people, other companies can take a look at this and be like, yeah, this is something we should do as well. Because I think it takes all of them because what something they said is, you know, in order to be one of their game changers, you have to just be a good human. Kind of like my memorandum of understanding earlier, right? If you, if you want to be like a part of my life, you just have to be like a good human in general, not just to my face. Like you have to be a good person. And that's part of their um, rules is, you know, out, even outside the EA community, if you do anything that's like fucked up, like you're gone essentially. Because, you know, what they're saying is even if we kick you out of our community, or if you go to another community, being an asshat is the problem really fixed. So they're looking at this in a much broader sense than just EA's community, which is really good. And it was uh, it was great to go up on that stage and talk about the issues that we face and how we tend to overcome them. And we had a lot of people come up to us after and say like, it was really helpful. And I think that's good for us to hear, because I think as people who've been doing this for so long, it's like water off our back. Like we will see a stupid comment and like nine times out of 10 or also like 99 out of 100 times to make it more dramatic. It doesn't bother us just because, you know, we see that shit all the time. But if you're new to creating content, it can really derail you and really demotivate you and make you kind of just want to stop and give up and throw your hands. So it was good to talk about the importance of community and having this like safe group of people you can come chat to and vent to about the um, toxicity online. And it was really nice. I rambled, but it was good. I think it was really important that they did that. Plus one to what you just said. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you both for for going. I'm sorry I couldn't be there to be on the panel with you, but um, from everything I heard from everybody, you crushed it. Crushed it. Yeah. Is that your little gift that you're always pushing? You crushed it. Yeah. Okay. Also, you can search Andrea Renee in most gift keyboards, and thanks to Corey, a bunch of my gifts will come up. (laughs) Oh, cool. (laughs) Noted. You ever want to use Andrea Renee gifts in your day-to-day life? (laughs) Well, now I'm doing that all the time. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. You should. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of What's Good Games. Don't forget to join me this Friday night, June 21st from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time for the Guardian Con St. Jude's live stream where we're raising money to help sick kids. And who doesn't want to help sick kids? If you don't, don't say it out loud because you're a monster. You should fix it. Help the sick mm-hmm. kids. It's true. Um, yeah. So come by. Twitch. Keep that on the deal. Yeah, exactly. Twitch.tv slash Guardian Con. Again, we'll be hosting it at our What's Good Games page and on the Kind of Funny Games page as well. Um, you can check Patreon.com for all of the stream details there. And we'll be back next week with another hot, fresh episode. 
It's going to be great. Ooh. Until then, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.